have to provide answers and expertise, yep. but you can't be so locked up that you aren't willing to adjust and adapt. And it may just help one player. No doubt. But how you say something to one guy may get that, that player over the hump, on the mound, in the field. Yeah. So you have, to, you have to have a big bag of tricks you do. to go to. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But really the most important time is when you're hanging around in the lobby or right. you know, and, and getting introduced to such you know, great people. You know, we're all baseball. We're all in it together. Sure. You know, and, and, and it's really cool to, you know, to me, make your way here to develop great baseball relationships, and you're going to find yourself leaving here being a better coach and a better person. It's really cool. That will probably show up in the front intro of the podcast. That's a great <laughs> quote. You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. Well, it went so great the first time that we decided to run it back for round two. Coming to you live from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We are still your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold and the place where you come to connect the very best baseball minds in our game. Quick reminders before we get rolling here, subscribe, review, and share. Find us wherever podcasts are free. Make sure you hit subscribe and keep sharing the show throughout your baseball community. Connect with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ABCA1945. You can also head over to our website, abca.org. If you're looking for more information about what our baseball coaching fraternity here is all about. Also, please never hesitate to reach out to me directly on Twitter at CoachSheets3 or by email Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca.org. Love connecting with you guys. Love to hear your feedback. And we look forward to hearing from you soon. Now, we hope you found time to check out the previous episode, episode 114, with the first round of interviews from our Dallas convention. And we're coming out swinging this week. We're holding on to the momentum we all have from the 6,650 coaches from around the world that invested in their own development. They made sacrifices to take head on four days of baseball heaven and everything that it had to offer them there in the Lone Star State. Again, recording these interviews live from Level 1 of the Gaylord Texan Convention Center, right outside the doors of the world's largest baseball trade show, we bring you coaches from across every level of the game. We get their thoughts on the growth of the association while being there in person is so important to their development, and then we couldn't help it. With so much knowledge being thrown around the clinic stages, we break it down, diving deep into some of the fundamentals of the game, developing culture within their programs, and all kinds of terrific content to help us all challenge ourselves to keep growing and developing. And that's what we want to get out with episode 115. So here we go. Part two of our interviews live from hashtag ABCA 2019 in Dallas, Texas. Get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Welcome to the 2019 ABCA convention here in Dallas, Texas. Hanging out with Sean Larkin, coordinator of skill development. Lark, thanks for jumping on with us. Oh, man, exciting time of year right now, that's for sure. It is. Well, it's exciting for you because you got a couple of new things that get ready to happen at this convention. You're actually going to go up there on that main stage. You fired up? I am. Uh, I am right now. We'll see how it goes tomorrow. But it's been a <laughs> lot of fun getting ready for uh, I know my – my two-year-old and six-month-old have heard the presentation a handful of times now. <laughs> For sure. Uh, my wife thinks it's pretty good, so uh, yep. my, my support group is all, is all in. So it should be a lot of fun uh, tomorrow, yes. Here's the beauty of, of talking with you, and you've already come on the podcast before, but here's the beauty of it, is your experience 
across pretty much every level, but especially on the college level and coming and being part of these mm-hmm. events, being here at convention, how much different has the convention experience been for you throughout the years, especially from year one mm-hmm. compared to this year where you're, you're a crusty veteran? Yeah, I think just that the growth of it's obvious, the, yeah. the amount of coaches that are showing up to these. Um, the, the other main one is just the, the social media how, how, how much of an impact that's had through the podcast, mm-hmm. just through Twitter in general. Yeah. Um, people sharing the ideas and tagging each other and looking forward to see each other while we're here. How this happens is growing exponentially. So even if you're not able to make it up one particular year, you're still a part of it. Sure. Uh, based on how much it's being reported and, and, and it's broadcast through different avenues, which has been really mm. cool to watch how it's all grown over the course of the years. And just the amount of information, the quality of information. Yeah. Uh, from now, we're talking about technology now in these conferences. No and doubt. How to use them and yes. different ideas on how to track data and come from a long way from T-drills. That's right. Uh, back in the day, what T-drills were right. using, what soft toss, soft toss drills were using, to yeah. now it's, you're using T's still? Right. What are you doing? Right. Um, and this, the growth of the information and just, again, the, the community of coaches coming together over the years has been incredible to watch and be a part of. That's such a, a neat concept because when you think about uh, how much the game has grown within coaching dialogues. Like, it's one thing to come to this show, and, and again, you see pockets around the convention, and you know those guys are having baseball conversations, but the the shift, and especially through social media's lens, the, the shift has really uh, gone a different direction. Like I said, 10 years ago, it was basics, the basics right. of base running, the basics of uh, hitting, the basics of infield play, and everything seems to have sharpened. And then, obviously, where you sit, because you're, you're in this world, everything's tracked, everything's measured, everything's, right. you know, data-driven. Absolutely. How has that challenged you as a coach? I, as a, it's not really as challenging. I think I come from the standpoint of it's only a help. Um, okay. I know Jason Ochard talks about it a lot. It's not, it's not going to replace anything. It's just a, right. a way to measure what you're doing. Is it working? Um, are, we in the right, are we going down the right lane, the right path? You can enhance your coaching. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you take it through that lens, I think it's, it's great. Um, there's nothing. The only thing challenging about it sometimes is how to use it, right? <laughs> and when to utilize the information. I think that's True. the most challenging part. Is you know the gathering of the information and tracking. That's the easy part. It's when to implement it and what to say and when and what information you want to give the players or not. That becomes a challenge. I think the teams mm. and organizations and coaches who are able to leverage that the right way yep. are the ones that take the steps further, not the ones who have all the gadgets and the sensors and the track mans and wrap photos. That's part of it. Yeah. That's the puzzle box, and I yep. got to put the puzzle together now. That's it. So that's the challenging part um, for all of us. And I still think, if you're if you're doing things the right way, you're always trying to fine tune what you're doing. And now technology is the next part of it. How do we use Love this it. the right way? And I, there may not be an answer, and right? That's, and that's okay. Right. Um, but We're that's why these covers are so great, right? Is there an absolute truth? Probably not. But can we get closer to what we think could be the truth? I think that's what these conventions are, are incredible for. And yep. Like you said, those side conversations and guys just trying to dig a little bit deeper and taking a deeper dive to get closer to what is most beneficial for ultimately our players. That's it. Um, and that's what we're all in this for. So a, l- a couple buzzwords came out of that. It was actually the buzzwords that make up the title of the technology clinic, how to leverage technology to enhance and strengthen your program. So appreciate you uh, dialing that in. I think a key, I keep going back to this is, when you used to come, and obviously as a college coach, as a high school coach, now coming as a professional coach, when you think about takeaways, I think that's always something that a, a, a convention goer, what are they bringing in their bag, in their mind? What are they taking back to their programs? What are some of those key takeaways? Can you, let me put it this way. Three moments where you took away like a takeaway and it changed the way you coached. Can you pinpoint something like that for me? I'm really putting you on the spot no, here, Lark. it's okay. I mean, I think I'll, as an L.A. Dodgers shirt walks by. There you, know? you go, huh? Uh, yeah. I think – 
for me, the, the, when I used to come to these, it was, yeah, some, some drills and stuff, but I think listening to guys like uh, the Ken Revisas and sure. the mental skills talks and sure. just really how to approach a player and, and put it in perspective on how, we, how we're really a major part of experiences yep. and how we go about coaching and the interactions we have and the language we use. We're creating experiences for our players. That's it. I think that's the biggest thing that I always took away from these is like, how am I impacting my players? Not just as a player, because we know those, the chances of moving on to the higher and higher levels get mm. smaller and smaller as you yep. move, but the impact you can have on, on a life down the road and there's experience in baseball. They're talking to their kids about this down the road. Like, That's right. My experience playing baseball was X. Mm -hmm. And we want to grow the game. That experience should be good for the player. And I think those are the biggest ones for me, listening to the revisas and all the other mental skills talks, I think, are the biggest ones I took away from that. That really impacted how I approach player development. Well, I was getting ready to say, they've really uh, shifted and morphed what you're doing right now. Absolutely. Um, so all that comes into play. What have been some of the things, I think it's almost like uh, point to something recently that's really challenged you in the game or something that's really uh, forced your hand to go, you know what, I've always said it that way, taught it that way, thought it was this way, but what's something that's maybe – I know I'm putting you on the spot. We ask the okay. tough questions yeah, here, do. Lark. Yeah. But, I, but I'm interested because I think of a uh, to accentuate the point that we need to be in a state of lifelong learning, yeah, yeah. there's always something. You can always point to something. What, what do you got and for I, me? I tell you, it's, I think just the trend now, the skill acquisition, skill design, uh, practice design, yep. um, skill transfer, and – I get caught a lot, and that's my bread and butter right now. I've read a lot of different things, and I can yeah. say really cool words, but I get caught with the <laughs> traditional pedagogy. Right. I'll get into that tomorrow. Okay. Uh, All right. I get caught with the foundational principle of the rep after rep. That's okay. how I was brought up, and I, I do think there's value to that. And I also understand the value of the creative, challenging environments sure. and having it be ugly and messy sometimes. And I get caught, and I, I do struggle with getting too far on one end of the spectrum. Okay. Um, it's something I, I continually challenge myself to keep be cognizant of, of the value of both and how to balance the two. I was going to say, you're trying to always, always get back to, to balance. Balance with the uh, particular infield group or a, a hitter or a pitcher or a coach right. and explaining these concepts to it. And they ask the same questions. Like, well, we've seen it work in this environment. So balancing, understanding there's a difference between uh, you know evidence-based research and practice-based evidence. That's it. There's uh -huh. a difference, Good right? So yep. trusting your experiences of your coaching and, and, and knowing something works, mm -hmm. um, but also knowing when to turn, turn the page and go a different route with a particular player or group, mm. that is constantly challenging me. Yeah. Uh, trying to find that balance. And, and the answers aren't always in a book or a research paper. Yep. Uh, challenging myself on, okay, great research in a lab or an experiment. Yep. How does this actually play out in the applied setting? In our arena of baseball, and then even further in professional baseball. That's right. So those challenges are very great, and it's not something that's not, it's not a tough question. It's a really easy one yeah. to answer. Uh, what challenges me daily, and I think that is the, the crux of it for me at this particular point in time now. Gosh, okay. So if we're looking ahead to the convention schedule and we see you up on that, on that main stage, give me the elevator pitch. If any coach is listening to this, what's the elevator pitch? Hey, come check this out because you're really going to enjoy it. Yeah, I tell you, I think I think mine will be a, a different swing on what people have heard in the past at these conventions. It's not okay. about a technique or it's not about a drill set. It's not about mental skills. Uh, it's not motivational by any means. Yep. It's a different lens. It's behavior and how, why behaviors happen, how we can change behavior, our own as coaches. And yep. It's going to create some awareness for ourselves on how it's we behave. It's going to challenge some guys. Absolutely. It's going to challenge some really traditional thinking. Yes. Uh, it may be uncomfortable, which I have some stuff designed for that. <laughs> um, so it is. It's a different, a different thing that we've, I think, has ever been 
talked about at a convention like yeah. this in terms of, again, not only behavior as the surface level, but also behavior on the baseball field in terms of skill acquisition and, yeah. and skill development. So looking to really blend the two together, it's going to be really heavily based on behavior and why behaviors happen. Um, we'll talk about functions of behavior, motivations, um, yep. context, and culture, and how that can impact how you handle your teams now in the future, how you recruit, mm. um, how you view your coaching staffs. And ultimately, I think, the, like I'm going to say, the underlying theme is going to be awareness. I'll yes. come back to that point. How aware are we of these concepts? Um, again, coming from an objective standpoint, yep. it's coming from a science. It's not going to be my subjective thought on what you should do with your program, that's what right. you, you, should, you should do with your coaching staff. That's good point. That's up to you. Yep. It's going to be more of an awareness from a science um, on strictly behavior and human behavior, which is already complex as it is. Right. In 35 minutes, challenging, <laughs> uh, but I will get it done. <laughs> sure. uh, so that, that would be the pitch. It's going to be something unique, but ultimately probably the most imperative when we understand why people tick the way they do wow. from an objective standpoint, uh, not just based on what we feel or – assume i love it okay last question i got for you and i'm yep. looking out here there's so many coaches here we're we're uh, trending to set brand new records this year being our biggest convention to date um but there might be some coaches that are listening to this they did not make the trip to dallas we're going back to nashville a city that has been so great mm. to us over the years give me your pitch to them why they should make plans to join us in nashville well for one it's nashville and if you've yeah. never been to nashville <laughs> sure. that's one you reason enough to go yep. uh, nashville very true but i'd say there's not it, there's nowhere else you can possibly go over a four-day span five-day span whatever it is to get as much information to network as much as you possibly can uh to see what the next up-and-coming exhibits are or yes. the next technologies or equipment yep. are in one place at one time you are not going to find it it's you know social media is one way but to actually see the human connection with seeing someone face to face Actually asking the right questions and having answers right there in person are a lot right. different than a, you know, however many uh, characters you get in a, in a tweet. Um, <laughs> that is ul the ultimate reason to come. At any, no matter where it's at, but especially in Nashville, for um, sure, is there's there's no way to replicate this event uh, other than being there. I want to welcome in the head coach at Campbell University in North Carolina. Justin Hare. Justin, thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks, Sheets. I appreciate you uh, asking me to be here and uh, been a great convention and looking forward to finishing out the next day or so here. It's awesome. Well, it's a no-brainer because, I, I, you know, obviously we're close friends, but I think it's easy for me. Like, I want to start a new Twitter account, Justin Hare's Goatee, and I just <laughs> needed a closer look so that I had maybe a screenshot that I can use for the, for the, the, the avatar. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I, I'm here to help your social media game. <laughs> Thank and you. If, uh, if we can grow the brand of the sheets in any way, shape, or form, I'm, I'm here to help you with that. <laughs> oh, boy, it's going to go south in a hurry. Um, <laughs> you know, there's so much I want to go into, but uh, one in particular is, and we were just talking before we got recording, uh, our friendship and it birthing from ABCA. And uh, Ricky McCarty, head coach at Abilene Christian, still hanging around. Um, his relationship, our friendship, he being a Kentucky guy, and him saying, hey, man, I got a guy that is your brother from another mother. Man, you guys need to spend some time together. And that's been seven, eight years ago. And him saying, hey, let's just find a way that you guys can connect. And you and I in a hotel room talking for hours yeah. about anything and everything around the game. And uh, to me, and I want to see hear your thoughts on this, to me that accentuates – what the ABCA period is about, this convention, this experience, this brotherhood's all about. You see it that way? Yeah, there's there's no doubt. I, that might have been in, in 
in Dallas, you know, maybe possibly. two times ago in yeah. Dallas now, yeah. you know, at, at the old place, at the Anatole. The Anatole. Yeah, you know, maybe. I don't know. Heck, there's been so many. <laughs> so that many. The inside of those hotels all look about the same. But, right. but I think that's – that is what the ABCA is all about, and we talk about it being a brotherhood and a fraternity a lot. And and um, you know that that moniker I think just just really stamps itself on stories like that. And and that could be anybody. That could be anybody walking around no here. And, and you know the the first couple of times you go to a convention, you don't know anybody. And you know now here it is my 14th convention in 15 years, and yep. you can't walk down the hall without knowing somebody that's you right. know and and i think that's where you know from two guys that were working in nai and division two ball yep. and whatever to you know the opportunities that we've had in this game and the yep. friendship that we've been able to yep. build and and that kind of stuff i mean it doesn't get any better than that and in what other world and what other um business do they have something like that i don't know of any sure. you know i i know of a lot of other sports that are jealous of the, the association that we do have right. and, and the strength and the bonding and the, and the brotherhood that, that this, uh, you know, that this offers us. Take me into how this Dallas convention has gone for you because I think it's, it's a neat dynamic, especially as younger coaches pay attention to this, um, showing up on campus. What you're, what you're most excited about when you get here and then certainly how it is day-to-day for you walking around. You know, each, each, each convention, though, the setup's the same. You know, you got Thursday, you get here, yeah. you get checked in, you got your meetings, you got all that kind of stuff. You know, but every year it's different because you don't know who you're going to run into. But that's, that's right. it's it's kind of like going back to school for the first day. You're like, <laughs> man, call. I haven't seen my buddies in a while. That's like, it. you know, and this this might be the one time a year that I might sit down with Rick McCarty or I might see um, Gary Vaught or I might see Rick Odette. You right. know, guys that that I've touched base with throughout my career that are now all over the country. That's right. Um, you know, like you said, we're an hour and a half from each other, and we see each other three times a year because it's right. busy. You know, yeah. we all have jobs to do and all that kind of stuff but the energy of dallas has been you know awesome you know yeah. i thought indianapolis last year was outstanding i know coming into the 75th anniversary it continues to grow it continues to get better yeah. but the growth is not just in in the membership it, the numbers keep going up and all that but the vision of what we want the convention to look like sure. and how we can continue to grow the game and how it can be a better event for the people that are attending. That's right. Like there's been a lot of thought and planning that have gone into that from where the clinics are held and where the expo theater's gone in just yeah. three years yeah. from in the middle of the in the middle of the trade show to now it's got its own space and now we got the youth clinics and we've got a lot of different things and a lot right. of different opportunities to learn but to also connect and and grow and the energy has just been awesome man like yeah. the positive energy like it, it was one o'clock in the morning on on thursday you know you know early friday morning and and i mean i was still going strong i go to bed at 10 o'clock every night man like it's one Not central here. and i'm like i'm in the hallways breaking it down with catching coordinators for the dodgers and the phillies and whatever like yep. guys i've never met you just don't get it everywhere or anywhere sure. else, man. It's just it, – it's the energy has been awesome, man. It's been a lot of fun. Um, it's run really smooth and gets better every year. Sure. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, it's funny because I had a conversation with a young coach on the hot stove last night. And, um, you know, you have the typical guys out in our baseball community that are figureheads, Tim Corbin specifically, and he says, you know, Sheets, I'd really love for you if you could, you could work a, an angle for me to meet Tim Corbin. And I said, 
I'm going to do you one even better. When you see Tim Corbin walking around, you just walk right up to him and you introduce yourself. Yeah. I don't need to be there. I don't need to set up the group. When you see him do it, do you remember having kind of that feeling? And I know I do as well, but do you remember having that kind of feeling with guys? 100%. Yeah. 100%. How'd you get over it? How'd you move past it? I just, just like what you said, you just do, you know, and, 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 you know, I, I teed re- you up for that. Yeah. <laughs> you just do just, just like anything else, like Jocko Willing said, just, <laughs> just, do, just it. do it. Like yeah. just, yeah. you know, I mean, that's, that's it. Like you just, um, I think the more you do it, the easier it becomes. I mean, yeah. there's, st- I mean, I, you know, this is my 15th year. Uh, in the ABCA, I certainly am not a big dog. I certainly do not know everybody or anything like that. But, I mean, I still have those moments now. You know, right. I see Gene Stevenson out, you know, legendary coach at Wichita State, and I'm like, oh, man, like I've talked to him a couple of times, but he doesn't really know who I – you know, like sure. there's always that, you know. But at the same time, you know, you get the opportunity to connect and meet and, yep. and say hello to people. And, uh, you know, I just remember walking around my first convention in Nashville, I think in 2004, 2005, you know, and, and you know, my boss at the time, Scott Norwood, he knew everybody, what seemed like everybody. And now yeah. I'm sure some of my younger assistants, they probably feel the same way. Like, gosh, dang, we can't walk through the thing without you stopping to say hello <laughs> Every to everybody. Steps. Like, yeah. You know, but that's just part of it, man. That's the fun part of, uh, you know, coming back every year and being a part of that. But I think, you know, for those young guys and, and for all of us, man, it's right. just most 99% of the dudes that show up here, check their ego at the door, and they're here to have fun and, and learn and be around other baseball guys that's and awesome. be around like-minded people. So if you're 22 or you're 62, it doesn't really matter. We're all kind of here for the same purpose. And so if you put that first in your mind, I think then it becomes a lot easier to walk up to guys like Coach Corbin and uh, Mike Martin and, you know, who oh, you know all those sure. legendary guys that, that are walking around here that, you know, Jim Slosnick, all those guys. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty cool to be sitting, you know, you sit, you know, two rows over from those guys. They're taking notes. You're taking notes. You're like, man, maybe, I'll, maybe I'm on to something here. Bubba, jump on that point in that, uh, you know, Clint Hurdle came on the podcast, manager for the Pirates, mm-hmm. and uh, I told the story on the show a couple weeks ago is that, he asked, you know, Sheets, why, why do you think I need to, to be part of this? What are, you, what are you trying to get out of it? I said, Clint, I really feel like the, the mission of what our conversation could be is that they're going to hear you talk about relationships. They're going to hear you talk about personal growth. They're going to hear you talk about mistakes you've made. They're going to hear you be humble. They're going to hear all that. And they're also going to think back to other episodes and go, oh, it's funny because the Division One coach and then the D2 coach and the D3 and the NAI guy and the high school guy and the youth guy they all said the same exact thing. I said, we're all the same dude. We just have with different uniforms. He's like, I'm in. Let's go. Hit record. <laughs> you know, but, that, but that, yeah. to, to the point is just that uh, we all are in the same journey together. No one has all the answers. We're all here to get better. We're here to network and grow and, uh, and grow that net for sure. sure. But we're also here to challenge our thoughts and try to get better and find a better way, new way of saying something, whatever it might be, and move forward. No doubt. I, you know, and I, I think that's – again that's that's been you know part of my growth through the association and through the conventions and and through everything that you guys have been doing from the podcast to you know just just more access to the association right, you know right. when, when i first joined it was like you came to the convention that was the association they were one and the same now yeah. it's so much more yep. the barnstormers all that stuff man yep. and it's just been um awesome because you know like like you know watching link jarrett 
on stage yesterday. You know, I remember when I first got to North Carolina and he was at East Carolina and they were rolling. He was yeah. working for Billy Godwin. And I was like, man, like we got to compete against that guy. I've been trying to compete against that guy for 12 years, you yeah, know, and no like, doubt. but it's fun to see those guys, you know, get up on the main stage and, and crush it, you yeah. know, because I'm like, I work with that dude. I've recruited i've sat right next to that dude on the recruiting trail for yep. years yeah you know guys like that up there just you know donegal fergus i mean one of the first nwac guys that we ever got at campbell he sent me you That's know it. from from tacoma community college yep. and he's up there talking about recruiting and and coming off a world series appearance and stuff so just just a lot of cool relationships for guys that you know over the last 10 or 12 years man you all start you you we all start somewhere that's right and I'm the same guy I was when I was working at Sterling College, you yep. know, in, in 2004 yep. as I am now. It's just, like you said, we got different uniforms on. And Ferg's the same dude he was when he was at Tacoma. and Sandals and all. Yeah. Same I mean, dude. he's probably crazier now, you know. Gosh <laughs> dang. Now, I mean, you know, he finally gets out of the Pacific Northwest and he can, he can really be himself now. 100%. <laughs> and he's embraced it fully. Yeah, 100%. Um, I got I to gotta give you this. You mentioned 12 years uh, in Carolina and uh, – Watching the Campbell program grow into what it is today. I mean, last year, your great run, uh, taking the Big South trophies home with you. But when you think about that program and what it was when you got there mm -hmm. and, and, and seeing what it's grown to, take us through that journey over these last few years. Where was it to where it is now? Yeah, so when we got there, um, Greg Goff was, you know, got the, the job in the summer of 2007 yep. um, from a Division two school, University of Montevallo in Alabama. I was working at Washtenaw Baptist University in Arkansas as the assistant. Um, and uh, he called me, asked me if I wanted to come work for him, and, and uh, we had built a good relationship through playing against each other, really. I mean, we didn't know each other previous right. to that or anything like that. So we show up there in August of 2007. Man, he's coming off of a, you know, World Series and a, and a regional final. We're coming off a 50-win season at Washita. Like, yep. hey, man, we're about to roll. Like, you know, that, that was our, you yep. know, thought process. And, and, you know, they were 11, you know, Campbell was 11 and 45 in 2007. Right. You know, we're like, man, we got some work to do, but we're, we're going to get this thing spun around. Yep. And, um you know, it's funny now you look back on it. I remember the first time that I showed up, I'm like, man, this field's awesome. This is great. We got a huge scoreboard, this, that, and the other. Like, now I look back at pictures, and I'm like, it was a high school. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like. <laughs> was it, it nearly as big as I thought it was? Yeah, it wasn't as nice as yeah. I thought, you know, at the time, you know, yeah. from where we were coming from, it was nice, you know. And we had a recruiting budget, which is something that we never had before. But sure. now if I look back at our budget numbers, you know, 12 years later, it's Thank like. goodness. Holy cow. Yeah. Like, you know, so so we just had, uh, you know, we had an uphill climb to get back to, yeah. to sea level, right, you know, and, right. and, and, which was fine. We didn't know any better. I was 26. Coach Goff was 36, you know, and, and he'd been a head coach for four years. And um, we just just wanted to attack it. And so we needed to kind of find our niche. What mm -hmm. type of player do we need to recruit? Where do we need to go from a facility standpoint? How could we – you know, really get in the race. And, and, you know, Campbell's just a really special place because there's a lot of really good people there right. and people that care about the program and the school. And, 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 and so our program's growth over the last 12 years of never of, – of the school record for wins being 33 when we got there to, you know, now we've got the top five winningest right. seasons in school history. We had three straight years of 40 wins. We've been to two regionals. They'd only been to one regional ever right. in school history. We've won, 
you know, four or five conference championships. They had only won two, you know, in 55 years. So, you know, we've been able to do a lot of those things. You know, we put $6 million into our facility, and yep. it's one of the best facilities in the region, you know, and, and certainly in our conference. But on top of that, the schools continue to grow. Right. You know, we're, there's like 1,500 more students than when we got there 12 years ago. They've added new dorms. We're building a, you know, 110,000-square-foot student union right now, wow. $38 million. Like, so wow. it's been fun to see that growth and, and you know, see the, the school continue to grow and get better. Mm-hmm. And, and our program, one, have a little bit to do with that because, because we've had some success. Sure. But also be able to mirror that growth and, and you know, try – you know, ultimately you want to have the ability to – help build a program that people can be proud of yes I, I think that's ultimately where you want to be at least for me that I, you know i've always said that i don't care where it was i didn't care if it yep. was it in hamilton ohio you know where i went to high school or you know lsu you you want to ha- have yep. your hand in building a program that the people that played there can be really really proud to have put on those colors and yep. that emblem and whatever and and that's been the funnest part of the last 12 years is that i feel like we took a program that was not in a good spot we've worked really hard and we're we're to the point where now you know it's almost a destination we over the last 10 years we've had guys from 31 different states and two different countries play for us unbelievable and there's a lot of guys that are really really proud to say they wore the black and orange and that's and that's been the funnest part over the last 12 years. Gosh, I love it. Man, you got so much to offer this community. That's, that's why, you know, our, our phone calls at times, we challenge each other, and, we, yeah. and we, we really do. We push each other for growth, and it's, it's one that I, I love. More than that, it's your spirit and your energy and your passion to grow and learn and share and obviously uh, be a contributing member of this fraternity, man. We truly appreciate you doing it. Well, I appreciate it, man. I just know, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's the, you know, the, the, especially the last couple of years, man, since you've been in North Carolina, it's been, yep. you know, we've really been able to, to kind of, you know, build our relationship and challenge each other. I think we yep. lean on each other. We bounce ideas off of each other. <laughs> we vent. We, yeah, 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 all of it. I call you and I'm like, seats, I'm <laughs> running my head you. through this yeah. wall, man. I need oh, yeah. you to, I need you to break it down for me, you no, know, no. and um, so that's been really fun, man. And, and, and that's, that's drawn me closer into the association, man. And sure. I know you've been able to do that with a lot of other people and, um, Bart and all those guys, man, it, it's been fun to see what's happened over the last four years with the association and, yeah. and how much more it, it's not just the convention anymore. You right. know, we talked about that last yeah. week on the phone. Yeah. Like, it's not just the ABCA. When I joined 15 years ago, it was the convention. You didn't right. get anything else out of it, you yeah. know, whatever, maybe some job postings, you right. know, in the summer. Oh, you know, that those, website but, out. Yeah, you know, yeah. but other than that, that, that was it. Now there's so much more, um, and it's so much more open and welcoming, and, and, sure. and there's so many more resources, man, and, and so I can't thank you guys enough for, for opening that up and having the vision to do that mm. and the vision to keep pushing the association forward because, again, right. like I said, there's a lot of other sports and there's a lot of other industries that don't have this that are jealous of what we've been able to create sure. a, as a sport and as a, a as an association so been a lot of fun man and and uh, looking forward to, to seeing what happens over the next four or five years i'll tell you man it only works with coaches like you it really does I, uh, we love the compliments and our staff and our team has done a fantastic job but it only works if our coaches buy in so yep. uh, you've been a huge piece of that 
go continue to crush the floors here at Dallas, <laughs> Justin. I know you are. Uh, keep bebopping. We got about a, a total of about a day, you know, a half a day, and yeah. then another half left. But uh, enjoy your time in Dallas, man. Thanks for jumping Appreciate on. Appreciate it, with man. Us. Thanks for having me. No doubt. Now, this seems like a no-brainer. I mean, I'm, I'm right here in your backyard, Schloss, but, I mean, uh, the honor to sit down with you and chat a little bit. <clears throat> Head coach at TCU, Jim Schlossenagel, thanks for jumping on with us. Oh, I'm glad to be here, man, and this is a big part of my day. No doubt. here with you. Well, I, j- I joked around uh, at our executive committee meeting, so that was a long drive, man, long flight, wheels <laughs> up from yeah, Fort Worth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to make an executive proposal that we have it in Fort Worth, though. When, okay. Uh, the, one of the things that uh, – you you, t- you learn when you move here is that there's a big difference between Dallas and Fort Worth. That's a fact. And when you live in Fort Worth, you have a little edge for Dallas and, <laughs> and vice versa. But, it's no, awesome. this is great. Grapevine's awesome, and, and uh, this facility is amazing. You know, not speaking this year, spoke a couple of years ago on the main stage, but uh, certainly being part of our board of directors and, and, and working through the executive committees and all that, but you just being – in your hometown, a ton of Texas coaches. How awesome has it been to really interact and mingle and, and really, again, kind of re- rehash some of those great relationships Oh, you it's just great. You know, I look forward to this every year. I mean, yeah. I, I saw a coach said the other day, it's kind of like a family reunion. It is, And yeah. it's what it feels like. And no doubt. I wouldn't know uh, how to begin my, you know, this, this will be my 28th, I believe, consecutive convention. And I, wow. don't, I don't know uh, how I would begin the season. It's just part of – uh, my, part of my family, yes. is, is they, they know that right after Christmas, right after New Year's, dad's going to be heading out, and uh, hopefully wife can come along when, when possible. But sure. um, just look forward to uh, those, you know, renewing those relationships and then you know, listening to the speakers and hot stove talks no and, doubt. and talks over lunch. And it's just it's fun to be with your people, yeah. and everybody yeah. here is, is, is our people. It's awesome. Uh, you know, you and I connected on the podcast, oh, man, it feels like years ago. Just last year. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. But, um, you know, connected and, and talked through some stuff. But I think it's an interesting um, uh, conversation in that, like, a couple weeks ago, somebody tweeted a picture of you wearing a Clemson hat <laughs> when you first got rolling. And uh, I always think about that. I think about a guy that, Jim, has your perspective. You've been coaching for so long, had great success. But, man, I, I think we can never walk away and go back and reflect on who was that 23, 24, sure. 25-year-old coach can you just take our guys paying attention to this? Just who was that guy and how much have you grown inside that space? Well, I mean, you continue to grow. You hear, you hear Mike Matheny just now talking about being a lifelong learner. No doubt. I mean, as soon as you stop doing that, it's over and done with and you should get out. Yeah. And not just not in coaching, that's in anything in life, I, I believe. But sure. uh, I just remember, you know, I was a journalism major in college. I had no intention of being a coach. And my college coach, Rick Jones, uh, yeah. uh, who's an ABCA Hall of Fame, fame coach, uh, pulled me to the side and said, uh, I, think you, I think you'd make a good coach. You need to think about doing this. And so uh, I changed my major. That's how much I thought about him. And, wow. and immediately got into coaching at, actually at the age of 20. I was my, just finished my sophomore year. That's I, right. I wasn't a very good yeah, player yeah, yeah. And, and just became a student, student assistant coach. And he, right. he threw me in the car, came to my first convention. And, uh, you know, I remember sitting there and you're, you're watching Skip Bertman talk and you're watching – uh, you know, Augie Garrido. Did and you all. have a concept of like oh, these people? Yeah, uh, I was learning that. You know, I'm from Western Maryland. I was a way bigger basketball fan growing up. Okay, the a- ACC basketball than I was. I didn't know anything about college baseball. I didn't. Okay. but but as I got into it, I certainly I watched the College World Series and you knew who the great coaches were. But uh, quickly just fell in love with it yeah. and um, look forward to this event every year. And then um, just knew that the only way I was going to learn something because I certainly didn't do it in professional baseball. The sure. Only, you know, the only way I was going to learn something is by, uh, you know, watching the people that do it the best. That's right. You know, the greatest form of 
flattery's imitation. And no, so no. Uh, just watch what they do and read about it and learn about it and keep your mouth shut and your ears open and sure. and move and keep going forward from there. So and and that hasn't stopped. You yep. know, uh, whether it be listening to Dan just now or having a conversation with Coach Pierce from Texas. I mean, I I I, uh, I, I don't play golf. And right. I'm not a hunter or I like to fish every now and then. Um, I do this, and this right. is what I like. And so uh, this is a hobby for me. It's, not a, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. It's not an occupation in any form. Sure. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, when you're, when you're spending some time, uh, you know, I guess, you know, thinking about your perspective and your experience in the game, and certainly tremendous success. We can go back to that in a little bit. But um, a person that sits in the seats listening to clinics that has your perspective and, and you've – You've already gone through trial and error in a lot of regards. Now, certainly the the new trends inside baseball is forcing your sure. hand in, in some regards, I'm sure. Um, but when you listen to clinics, when you pay attention to these guys talk, what are the things that you're really uh, hoping to hear or things that when you do hear, like your takeaways? How are you hearing these clinics different than maybe the young coach would at this well, point? Well, for me, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to find different ways to say the same thing. There I mean, we go. Okay. And, and not that I'm not, you know, if I have, if there are, say, let's say there's ten things that you need to know. Yeah. And... There's like eight of them that I feel pretty good about. Yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to learn the two that I don't know anything about. But I'm tr- with those eight eight things that I that are say there there are core things, the, the core beliefs, core values, core. I'm trying to figure out a different way to say it because wow. you know if I, I've been the head, this will be my 16th season at TCU. Right. And as soon as my message as the head coach and the guy that oversees the program and you know my job is to maintain cult, the culture of the mm-hmm. program and keep it moving. As soon as that becomes bland to the player. Um, then I think you've lost them. And so wow. uh, t- to be able to say, you know, some of the same things in a different way or find a new way, whether it be with a video or a book or a presentation, a way to, to present that, sure. even if it's just even if it's on baseball-related things, even yep. if it's on first and third defense, even if it's on infield play, yep. um, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's my job is to continue to evolve. And so right. I'm just looking for ways, okay, oh, that, 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 you know, I could probably say it that way, and it would it, it, if it connects with me. Yes. At 48 years old, then hopefully it'll connect with the 18 to 22 year old. Wow. You know, uh, obviously we got an opportunity, as most coaches have, you know, to watch you guys play in Omaha quite a bit. Um, you know, last year, different year for you. Can I go personal real quick? Just sure. in terms of how were you challenged last year, uh, the season, and obviously working, like you said, the the, the caretaker of the culture and refining it and fine-tuning it and getting it back for this year. How were you challenged personally last year? Well, in a million ways, because just like Mike, Mike said, you know, you can either look through a window at somebody else and say it's their fault, yep. or you can look in a mirror and say this is on – and oh, it's on me, and this was mm-hmm. on me. You know, now we had some things that were outside of our control. Yeah. We, we lost a ton, ton of, of injuries. ton of injuries, yeah. our best pitcher, our best hitter. I mean, but you – Every team can say that. Sure. The average teams, the bad teams, those are the ones that they point at those things and say, well, we didn't have a good season because, because of, of that, this. no doubt. And if you don't, that's we're going to have injuries this year. Yeah. I hope it's not like it was last year, no but doubt. we're going to have something. And our job is to navigate our way through that. Yeah. And so my personal challenge is, you know, I had some things going on with my family. My, fa- my, my wife's father was really sick, and uh, I didn't do a great job of mm. handling – um, distraction away from the field okay. as well as I, I preach to our team to do that. And that's – and you have to call a spade a spade. I love it. And, and that's not – if you're going to ask your players to leave the bad test score or the breakup with the girlfriend or a sick family member in the parking lot when you come to the field – You have to be that You person. need to be doing it yourself. No doubt. And I've always been able to do that, but I didn't do as good a job of it last year Gosh. as I could have. Yeah. And 
there's no question that reflected into our team. Mm. If we'd have stayed healthy, and I think we'd have still gotten to a regional, maybe played well enough to get yeah. to Omaha, yeah. but that still would have been a factor. And I looked at our team at the end of the season, and I have, I'm not afraid to tell you in front of these people, yeah. I failed you. I failed you, and here's how I did that, and I am that w- that won't happen again as best as I can handle. No it. doubt. And so that'll be my focus. I'll, I'm going to do a better job that, of that this year. So here's why I love that because there's a 22 year old coach out here listening to that, and he goes, "Oh, so humility and being humble and bringing it back and transparency, all oh, that's important." Yeah, and hear that from you is huge. Yeah, and to be self-aware. I mean, no doubt. I mean, you can't look to improve if you're not realistically aware of where you are right if you think you're here and you're really here right well then you're you're fooling yourself and no and kids see that they they see it they don't care what you say they're watching how you act oh my goodness. and so um so yeah i mean i'm not afraid to say that and that's because i want to have a good season this year no doubt. and the only way to do that is for me to be better yeah take us into because i know obviously you're, you're a program at tcu just like with with coach mcdonald at louisville a program that people are very interested in like i had a chance to swing by that regional and come check things out and you showed me the ropes and I'm going just to see again pull back the curtain on what's going on inside the locker room and team space and offices and all that but for guys paying attention to this the, the culture of the program give us a taste of what it what you really want exhibited in the standards in place there at TCU well we're just you know and this some of this stuff sounds coachy and it's easy for anybody to say or put words on a wall or write down um, but you got to live and breathe it every day I'm yep. just a big believer first and foremost of um, standards versus goals. Right. So if you ask any college coach walking through here, what's your goal to do? Go to Omaha. Yeah. If, if you're a Division One coach. Sure. If you're a high school coach, win the state championship. Yeah. So to me, goals are, and this is stealing from uh, a book I read, goals are performance-based. Standards are behavior-based. Mm. So you're, you, you can't control some of those goals. They're mm-hmm. performance-based. Your team may do everything right, but you, you, we know how crazy this game is. No doubt. But if you can control behavior, which their behavior affects habits and habits affect routines. And, you know, your success That's of who, right. who you are is built on your daily routine and your daily habits. Mm. And so if I, my job is to help our players become the very best version of themselves right. on and off the field. Give them every resource, coach them their way through that. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's punishment or, you know, kicking the rear end. And sometimes it's a hug. Um, but if we can get them to become the very best version of themselves, then – my job's going to be easy. It's right. not going to matter what our bunt defense is right. because they're going to perform at their most optimum level. So our culture, yeah, I mean, we have three core values that we live by. We could go through those, but in reality, it's just help them become the best version of themselves yeah. and then do that every day. And one of my favorite books, I make our team read this every uh, this time of year, every yep. offseason. It's called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Sure. And it just basically says, would you rather have $3 million today or a penny compounded for 31 days? No doubt. We all know you would choose the penny because, but even on the 29th day, you have less than $3 million. But on the 31st day, you have over $10, $10 million. Wow. So it's just a matter of putting good days on top of good days on top of good days, and eventually we'll get to where we want to go. Wow. Okay, last question I got for you. Obviously, this is a big year uh, at this convention for TCU. Bill Mosiello jumping on the main stage, and obviously having him on the podcast was pretty neat. Not lacking passion, not lacking no. energy, so much so, and, and he, he opened a door for me that was one of how relational he is in terms of how uh, moved by the players and their success and their journey and their path that he's motivated by. And uh, Schloss, I got him to cry on yeah. air. Which yeah, which he, he, he'll, when, if you ever want to see Bill Mosiello cry, and he's a – He's a tough guy. He's, he's a passionate guy. Have him talk about players. 
It's awesome. I mean, it, it, it's whether it be our players, whether it be Michael Trout, whether it be Robinson Cano, yeah. whether it be Todd Helton, and it's not because they're great players. I mean, it's because of who they are as people. And yeah. he knows that none of us, none of us yeah. can do any of this no without those kids. Yeah. And as soon as you really start investing in them and seeing what they're all about and seeing what their insecurities are, man, that's, you know, it, it, that's special stuff. And so, yeah, he, uh, he likes to downplay himself a lot and poo-poo himself a little bit on the stage, but he did a great job, and, yeah. and uh, I'm so grateful that he's a part of our program for the, at this time. So awesome. Well, I know you got a lot of people to get to. We obviously truly appreciate you sitting down with us. Yep. Appreciate what you're doing for the ABCA and the coaching community, and best of luck this year. Thanks. Appreciate all you do for the ABCA. So uh, this is awesome. Looking forward to a great 2019. Thanks a lot. Again, hanging out outside the trade show doors. Nice little setup here. We're going to spend some time with Midway University head coach Luther Bramblett-Lou. Thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks for having me, Sheets. <laughs> See, this is such a continuation of our weekly, almost daily phone calls. Uh, Luther being one of my best friends in baseball, one of my mentors, guy I talk to regularly, and I told him, man, it's time for your podcast debut. we got to have you on. It's a good place to have it, right here. Not a bad, not a bad setup. I wish no. we had more lights. Yeah, the lights are good. If we could take the lights up a little bit. Um, yeah, this is awesome. But, but more than that, I, I think you're an easy choice, and I think it makes a ton of sense based on our conversations. And we've both, I think, seen each other grow in a lot of different regards. Let, let's hold that off for right now. Let's go to this. How many conventions for you? This is my 24th okay. out of the last 25 years. I missed one. Why would you miss? I was not coaching at that time. Gotcha. But I, I did renew my membership that year. <laughs> so did. I love it. I took care of that. So taking in that many conventions, can you go back to your very first one, maybe how overwhelming is a word that gets thrown <laughs> around, uh, certainly uh, blown away, mind blown in a lot of regards. Can you take us back to your first one? I, I think the first one, I was a GA at Freed Hardman University. Yep. And I think it was 94. Okay. I was, think. It was 13, but uh, go ahead. <laughs> and um, it was in Nashville. Okay. And it's a great place to get lost. Yes, it is. And um, <laughs> we, we load up in a van and, and had coolers of food and PB&J and lunch meat and um, it was quite the experience. It really was. It was um, uh, for a 20-something-year-old guy wanting to do this. Um, it, it was definitely mind-blowing. It Gosh. was. Crazy. The speakers that year. You remember any ones? No. I'm too old. <laughs> to go back? No. I have no idea. Hmm. I can't remember what I did yesterday, Sheets. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then, when you think about 20-some uh, you know, years of coming to these, when you know you get to a place where – You've heard a lot of the talks. Now, we're trying to introduce some new clinics this year. We're talking technology for the very first time on the main stage. Uh, we're talking recruiting for one of the very first times on the main stage. You can go down the list. What are maybe some of the, the goals that you have coming into this convention, maybe a takeaway you hope to gain a little bit more on to bring back to your program for this year? Is there anything you can point to? Uh, any time. It, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, across the spectrum, yeah. if, if I can pick up one thing or – a um, uh, different way to say something, yeah. um, uh, different terminology that I can take back and, and explain the things that I've been doing forever a different way, yeah. um, that's, that's going to be a plus. So I, I, I try to go to every single speaker um, in, on, the, on the main stage mm -hmm. um, because they've obviously done what, what I, I do, and, and so I want to try to take something, learn something. Yeah. Um, so 
there's nothing in particular that I've set out to do this year um, in that regard. I just enjoy going all the time. Sure. And I enjoy learning something from every single one of them, whether it be culture or practice design or uh, offense, pitching. You know, it really doesn't matter. I, I, I always look to take something back and, and reaffirm what I feel is, is the right way to do things. Right. So. The question that I've asked the first two guys, and I think it's a, a neat question to, to roll to, is something that you've learned recently. And I think, because I know you're in that spirit, our conversations are, are at times around thinking a little bit differently. I try to challenge you. You challenge me. Is there something that you heard, listened to, conversation with another coach that maybe challenged you a little bit to your core is, you know what, I, I, I could do that differently or I could say that differently. I could, uh, I could be better in that area. Is there something you'd point to? Well, it's funny. I, I was I was working camp at uh, University of Kentucky this past weekend, talking with Coach Will, and uh, breaking down hitting. Yeah, I'm in a little dilemma of of do I continue to do the same things I've always done, or I mean, there's so much there's so much information that's out there that's available. That's what's so great about your your podcast um, stuff. You know, the guys that you get on there always challenges what I feel mm-hmm. and what my players feel and, and, and mm-hmm. how, how, how do I need to, to come across better than them and teach them better and, and, and make them better, more successful. That's and, it. Um, so the offensive stuff, you yeah. know, and then me and you have had a technology conversation. <laughs> um, it still I'm makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, I need to be challenged and, and – you know that's that's where we are today. Yeah. So yeah. I've got to do a better job of preparing myself for that side of, of communication with our players and and find a way to reach them better. Yeah. And, you know maybe it maybe it is through technology. Um, so always always there's always stuff, man. No doubt. You know if you're a lifelong learner, you're always going to be stuff's going to smack you sometimes. You're, that's it. You, it makes you question why you do it and how you do it and am I doing it the right way? So it's so funny. You were three for three so far with a coach referencing the challenge that they feel technology's brought to how they coach. And I don't think you're alone in that. I think you could pick anybody out in this crowd and say, what's an area in coaching that, that, that you're really challenged by right now? And it's the technology no aspect question. of it, the no analytical question. aspect. No question. And, and I'm not that smart. Um, 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 I still, my, my kids, I got a five year old that runs the phone. <laughs> and iPad better than I do. No doubt. Um, so I used to be that kid. Yeah. But now that I've grown old, I got stuck in my ways. <laughs> um, that, you know, I've definitely got to get better at that. No question. Do you, I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you think this is like a pivot point for you in your coaching career? Do you see it as – that may be a too large scale. I'm just putting that words in your mouth. But do you think this might be a nice little uh, shift, like a, a hard V towards another yeah. realm of you as a coach? There's no question. If if I want to keep up with with guys that are are doing it better than me and are comfortable with that, yeah, um, and I I'm I'm a competitive guy. Yep, I don't like losing. So, yeah, there's there's no question, um, and and that's the big that's the big thing that um, us old timers, I guess, guys have been in it twenty five years yeah. plus, twenty five years is a long time. <laughs> so this technology thing is, is, you know, obviously game changer. No doubt. Okay. Here's, here's a question. I think it's a neat one to ask. When we think about going to Nashville next year in 2020, 
there's somebody listening to this podcast right now. I'm talking to you. I'm, I know you're listening. That is going, what is this whole convention thing all about? What's this experience? What's it mean to be part of this fraternity, this brotherhood? Why should they come to Nashville? If they're sitting at home right now, Lou, speak right to them and get them to come to Nashville with us. It's a can't-miss event if you're a baseball guy. Mm-hmm. The connections that you make, the relationships that you continue to build. Um, when you say fraternity, I mean, I've, I've talked to probably – I've run into and talked to 15, 20 guys already that that I've met here. Yes. And over the years have developed relationships yep. with. And um, at the end of the day, that's why we coach. That's what coaching's all about. Um and if you want to continue to develop yourself as a baseball person, this is can't miss because you're you're going to develop lifelong friendships and relationships with guys that if you didn't come to something like this, that that, that you you would you're you're missing out. No you're, doubt, you're you're missing out on that opportunity. And then and then the, obviously the growth side of it and challenging yourself as a coach, as a as a as a man, as a husband, you know, all all those mm. father, all all those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the ABCA and, and and that's what you've done. You know, since your arrival 4 years ago, you have challenged all of us uh, in ways that we we haven't been. Mm. And you have have a lot to be <laughs> thankful for in that <laughs> regard. We are thankful for you in that regard. I've uh, been so. extremely grateful for the opportunity, and, I, and like I tell you all the time, I'm with each episode, each conversation, I'm trying to challenge myself because there's just a lot of growth to be made. I think it's uh, meeting guys that are podcast listeners is awesome, and hey, man, you've helped and you've challenged me, and it's like, dude, the dude on the other end of the line's challenged me because I'm right there yeah. with you. I try to stay in that framework and, and roll from there. Um, in terms of uh, you know guys that are here, who are some names that you're looking forward to connecting with and, and running into? Who are some guys you still haven't seen yet? Well, I hadn't run into Chuck Box yet. He's already He's... called me two or three times. <laughs> He's in route. I'm I'm, uh, I'm really excited to listen to him on the on the on the stage no on Sunday and ran into Butch already and. Talked with him and he's fired up. Yes. Ran into Jake McKinley and, yep. and uh, congratulated him on his big, big jump forward and looking forward to hearing him uh, speak as well. Um, you know, I, I'm just fired up to be here, dude. No doubt. I mean, put together a great, uh, a great schedule of speakers and and at first I was ah, but the more I've researched and listened and looked, I'm fired up about this year. It's awesome. Really, it's awesome. So, well, uh, you know, usually our conversations last uh, 30 to an hour and a half. Uh, this is a quick 10-minute burst. Uh, but thanks for jumping on with this, Luther. Best thanks of luck for to me, dude. No doubt. Best of luck to the Eagles. Appreciate it, man. Jeremy, thank you. <laughs>
offensively that seems to allow you to have success. Tremendous success. Through the last 10 or 15 years. Right. So I just wanted to be sure that I authentically gave the guys what we try to do. No doubt. And it's hard. You're going through those slides, and I think I had 15 slides. Um, at times I felt like I could have spent 35 minutes on the seventh slide right. and then the ninth slide. But I wanted to give the big picture look at what we try to do every day, and I wanted the guys to, to be able to walk out of there with something that they could take and sure. try to do in their first practice sure. this spring. Gosh, great feedback so far from your end? It's really been awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and you hope that you deliver it well, and, and you hope you manage the time properly on the things that you wanted to spend time on. And, right. I, and I felt like it, it went well. There's always things you wish you had said when you reflect on, on how you presented it. Um, got great questions in the question and answer session. I know Corbs yeah. was after me, so I'm like, <laughs> I wish I could listen to Corbs. So no, no. I stuck around and listened to him in the Q&A. Sure. But I got some great questions, and I, I just hope that I can do for some of the guys at this clinic what previous coaches have done for me as I've sat in this venue in sure. Nashville and Orlando and San Diego over the last 15 years of my career. Golly. Well, I hate the fact that we both had to fly 500 miles. We, we could literally just walk down the street and have this yeah. conversation. But we're here in Dallas, uh, and I want to go into quickly just the ABCA and what it's meant to you about your coaching career because you've been involved with us for so long as a loyal member. So I guess, you know, when you think back first conventions and obviously all the ones you've been to since, what's the ABCA mean to you more than that? What does it mean to you to be part of this coaching fraternity, Link? It's an unbelievable facet to your evolution as a coach. It really oh. is. And, and I, I always talk about Dave Barnett. I, yep. When I was about to take a high school job and I was helping coach a high school football team, he called me and had a position, and I drove over and took the job. I wanted to be in college. Yep. And he really – taught me a lot about what this business was about. I sure. was just out of professional baseball. I had no idea how to take care of a field, how to run a program, how to organize no doubt. things that needed to be done in the program. And he brought me to Nashville. And it was my first convention. I really had no idea. What year was this? This was 1990. It would have been 2000. So I got okay. there in 99, and I guess the convention would have been right there early January of 2000 yep. in Nashville. My head was spinning. <laughs> I, I, it really was. No I, doubt. I sat in the clinic hall for three days and soaked it all up and you know it it, it evolved from there for me you know Gosh. not only with my ABCA experience but my coaching process really began there on a lot of levels I learned so much from Dave about the game and the Golly. strategy we had a JV team and a varsity team so you know some guys ask me when you have 50 players how do you run practice well I ran two practices and I so I can relate to everybody Right. at this event and, right. and it, it this fellowship and Mike Bell standing there one of my teammates and guys that I coach against Justin Hare and yep. you, every time you turn a corner there's somebody that you know that it brings back a memory of of this event from years wow. past from competition and it's it's just a spectacular time get your juices going gosh okay uh, let's go back to offense real quick because I you know there's guys out here and I know they want some coaching content um, and again when you think about the uh, what you guys have done, UNCG's offense the last few years, man, just leading the nation and hitting a couple years, being in the top five all those years. I mean, just what, what's gone on there, making regional appearances. So or do you think at this point in your coaching career and at least where you stand and what's really garnered success over the last few years, do you feel like you're, you've created a system? 
sheets I do. Okay. Um, I felt like – You get where I'm going with that? I, like I a, do. I do. Um, like a blueprint. Yeah. And you have to. Like yep. when I left Auburn to get my first head coaching job at Greensboro, yep. like there's parts of your system that are in place. And then when you get the first head coaching job, you now have to have your system for the program. No doubt. And for 14 years, you're developing that. You haven't implemented it. Sure. You're developing it. So I feel like my system offensively really started in 2006, seven at East Carolina. Yep. Um, when you start to – you have that light switch that goes off at some point, and it did for me, and that's where I, I offensively I thought I started to separate strictly swing mechanics to the other oh, components of hitting. There it is. And that's where I think that system started. And from 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12 at Auburn, like the offensive stuff really, really, yeah. really took off. And then Gosh. obviously this for me presenting was about offense. But yep. you have to have pitching philosophies. You yep. have to have team defensive philosophies. That's right. You have to have base running philosophies. You have to have outfield concepts, infield yep. concepts, and concepts for your catchers. That's it. So when you can create programs and developmental plans for each one of those areas yep. and the guys understand it and buy in, that's when the program overall can take off. Wow. And that ultimately is your responsibility as a head coach. Oh, I love it. Let's go, uh, you know, deeper dive. I've, a couple of guests, I've, I've tried to almost turn these into Oprah uh, couches and chairs and uh, go a little deeper dive. But I think in, in full transparency, Link, if it's a young coach paying attention to this and, uh, you know, the success you've had is awesome. But we all know in a game of failure, you've had moments where trial and error, things just didn't go right. Um, when you think back to those moments, um, I guess chronicle it for us. What are some, like, man, I, you know, you talked about the transitional from thinking just purely mechanics to really going, no, nah, it's a much bigger thing when we talk about offense. I think that's just like any young hitting coach. You know, they see it very simply, but it's actually much – got to take a much deeper dive, right? You really do, and, and there's so many subtle components to yes. your offense that are outside of the batter's box. No doubt. And it does start in the batter's box. It has to. Like, without base runners and, and – yep power and yep. acquiring as many bases as you can you yep. really you're not you're not getting out of the gate so right. to speak so it starts in the batter's box but then through the years no matter what level you're coaching at doesn't matter whether right. it's high school it could be JV it could be college it could be the big leagues there's certain teams and players that grab your attention sure. and you feel like when you're sitting there competing against them or even coaching them they're doing something at a higher level than the masses. Wow. So pulling that out of maybe when we went to Cal State Fuller in 2006 and Justin Turner and Blake Davis and yeah. some of these and Wes Romer, those guys, they were performing individually and as a team at an extremely high level. So yeah. I would walk away and, and evaluate and assess what I just competed against and what I saw. Oh, and I would try it. to go back and in the right – setting ask one of their coaches how do you do your bunting stuff why was your base running so good and I started that early early on and I keep doing it to this day there's programs wow. that they have components to what they do that really really that stands out yeah as you watch but yeah. you have to watch you have to pay attention you have to assess what's going on as you compete and yeah. as you play and then I think that's allowed me to continue to evolve and build. Yeah, it's staying in a constant state of self-awareness, but a constant state of almost challenging thought, right? Correct. Yeah. 
we're responsible for having answers. That's it. And you have to deliver answers to your team. I had to deliver answers presenting yesterday. No doubt. Now, I've heard something today that makes you want to tweak and think about how you say things and why you say things. So you have to have answers. But you have to be open-minded enough to evaluate what you do and listen to other people that are having success in areas. Yeah, man. Gosh, stay humble, kiddo. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, seriously. Because you don't. You have, to, you have to provide answers and expertise. Yep. But you can't be so locked up that you aren't willing to adjust and adapt. And it may just help one player. No doubt. But how you say something to one guy may get that, that player over the hump, on the mound, in the field. Yeah. So you have to you have to have a big bag of tricks you do. to go to. Yeah. Oh my goodness, um, that I mean we could. I feel like we could take this and break a brand, brand new podcast episode out of this conversation. Um, I guess if, if there is a high school coach that's out there and a youth coach, you know we got do have a large demographic of our ABCA membership. Forty percent is from the high school ranks. There's another big chunk of that that's from the youth ranks. So. Not everyone is going to have a great hitter at 18 years old, 22 years old that comes to them like you do. They may have the 5-year-old, the 8-year-old, the 12-year-old, if we're th- the 14-year-old. If we're thinking about that youth player, youth through high school, what are some things that there's some young hitting coaches listening to this that you just go, man, from where I sit, I would focus on X, Y, and Z. What are some things you would hit them with? I talked about it a little bit yesterday, but, but very simple, basic stuff. Like get them in the batter's box in a position that allows them to cover the plate and yep. just adjust in a little bit. So many young kids just simply don't know where to stand. Sure. And, and nothing will work if they're too far from the plate or way right. too close to the plate. It affects everything you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then find some simple, simple checkpoints if you're just teaching hitting. Hmm. And it's your, your responsibility as a coach to figure out what those checkpoints are sure. that match your ability to deliver it. And right. it might be three things. It might be your basic stance. It might be your load position. Yep. And it might be where you are at contact. And try to get the kids to understand just simple little checkpoints that aren't over their head. Right. But that they can practice. They're going to hit off the tee and they're going to do some flips yep. and stuff. And They're, just just, they're going to hit on their own. We were just talking about that over here. Yes, but yeah. they're probably not going to throw a lot of BP on their own. So train right. them how to use the tee yep. and how to do the front toss properly so they can work on these very simple but fundamentally sound things that wow. most great hitters do. Sure. But you can simplify it, and a 12-year-old can, can understand and learn some of the very basic, simple fundamentals. That's it. Last question I got for you. I was thinking about the – current climate that we're in technology being prevalent data analytics being prevalent um, our players especially as they come to you they have information at their fingertips at all times they know more than maybe they did 10 years ago how has that challenged you as a coach and how have you answered the bell i just spent two hours in there digging into the technology um i i have not i have not i knew that that's why i asked that question oh you saw me yeah yeah oh yeah yeah i I know i need to utilize it yeah the fork in the road for me is I don't think the, the result-based numbers and, and some of the other stuff can drive the performance. I think the process and the mental approach to it will get you the analytics you need. Sure. That's what I feel responsible well for as a coach. Yeah. Now, you can supplement what you do, by obviously, with, with the data that is so prevalent. Sure. Um, so starting to mesh that into what we do 
is important. And as the guys that are younger now that are growing up in a, in a data age right. come into your program, they expect it. And from a recruiting perspective, the guys coming in, they want to see that. Yeah. So we're going to use it. I love but it. it does not replace the process of how you produce the results that you want from an analytics standpoint. Wow. It can only enhance your coaching. Absolutely. Mm. you got to use it the right way. That's right. It's not a substitute. Mm. It's an addition. It's a supplement. I love it. I'm going to let you get out here on this one. Last question for real. I swear we could do another whole episode. Sheets, I'm here. The chair's I know you great. <laughs> um, if there are coaches listening to this link and, and, and going back to ABCA – that they're saying, you know what, this sounds pretty cool. I know you're going to Nashville. It's a great city for us. But if you could speak directly to them, convince them to show up with us in Nashville. The timing of any event can be tricky. Yeah. But this is something you need to set aside time for every mm. year. It's, it's a constant growth opportunity. Absolutely. It's a constant opportunity to have some fellowship and some time with guys that you've met over the years and you're going to walk away having met new people right i think it's important that you pencil in these three or four days you may not be able to stay the whole time but to come spend two nights and mike and i were talking about bringing your spouse from time to time is really neat and let them have a little bit of a getaway before the next six months engulfs everything that you do so it. it primes the pump but it also gets you isolated with people that are going through what you go through. And I think you walk out of here feeling rejuvenated and refreshed and and ready to go into battle. Oh, goodness gracious. Honored to be sitting with the head coach at Florida Atlantic University, John McCormack. Mac, thanks for sipping on with us, man. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for all that you guys do. It's amazing convention and Certainly appreciate it. It's awesome. Our team couldn't be more excited about what's happening here. Again, crossing over uh, well past Indy numbers of 6,100. We're well past 6,500. Uh, hopefully I'll get a numbers update. We can keep reporting that. But we're just heading in a great direction. But honestly, it's because of men like you and your passion for this association. Um, and I'm going to go right into this, man. Talk about the ABCA. What's it meant to you over the course of your coaching career? It's really uh, been a godsend, so to speak, because of the fact that my um, coaching background is so different than the traditional That's guy. Right. That's right. I've, I've, I worked for one guy. I've worked at one school. Yep. Um, was GA this that the other thing to head coach, and coming to the first convention, Ron Polk was unbelievable. Right. You know, he inspired me to come more, not by anything that like he said or anything just the way he welcomed me right and you know he he knew about florida atlantic and knew some of the things we were doing down there and he was so gracious and then dusty Rhodes, another sure. yep. i think he's an abc all, all of famer, famer yep. um was gracious as well you know i knew him a little bit from where i grew up and he grew up a little bit not too far away and he was gracious and the convention of those older guys that you know, we're on TV very little, mm-hmm. but when you opened up, you know, collegiate baseball and baseball market, they were at the page. forefront, yep. you know, yep. they were the, the, the guys that you wanted to emulate. Yep. And those two guys specifically were really gracious and, um, and, and everybody's gracious, you know, it, yep. it, it's, it's, uh, um, you walk through here for three or four days and there's no arguments, there's no nothing. Everybody's sure. polite. Everybody's sure. nice. Um, you know, it's really, it, it's, it's nice to hear, 
some of the conversations of the younger coaches that, oh, I can't wait to go see this guy speak. Right. I can't wait to – and to me is really neat because a lot of the younger people, they're – you know, I don't want to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but they spend a lot of time on their phones. Sure. <laughs> but to be able to go do it in person, right. I think, is amazing. And the numbers bear it out, you know. Go into this then, because that, that's a great segue when you think about uh, how much the ABCA has grown over the last five years. And we can go through numbers, but I think for you, your perspective being one of 20-plus, 30-plus, how many conventions? 28. 20, I mean, closing in on 30. That is a ton of experience and perspective just bring it back to the last five years and how things have really amped up, the momentum that we have. How have you seen that transition? I, I was just explaining. Someone asked me out there, what's the difference? Yep. In my first convention, uh, 91-ish, okay. um, it was mainly Division One coaches. Right. Mainly right. Division One, And that's a function of budgets. And, sure. Um, and then it's slowly grown to, I think we're somewhat the minority now, you, you know, <laughs> The youth, the youth baseball, the travel baseball, the high school baseball, high school baseball yeah. has exploded. Yeah. you know, in a good way, yeah. and it's really nice to know that the guys we're entrusting in our next recruits are here, that's right. learning and and trying to understand, that's and point. that's a really good thing to um, uh, to have for the game. Oh, I love that. I, I want to go into this because I know, um, and, and we'll we'll talk about this briefly. Is that uh, there was a point, I told the story uh, actually last night to a couple coaches, and they're asking about the podcast, and, and they said, man, it's just awesome. Every week I look forward to it every week. And I said, do you remember a time when it wasn't every week? It was every other week, and we were trying to manage that process of, you know, I'm a one-man show, so it's the editing, it's the producing, it's sure. the recording, and I'll never forget it. The, the convention, you grabbed me, and you said, jeez, I love the podcast, but if I could get more of them, it'd be even better. Yes. And I, I, I can't thank you enough, and I'll do it in front of these coaches. That was the – one of the most significant shifts we made, and I think it took our uh, place as a content uh, delivery system, as a resource center for coaches, that took it to a place where, again, the, the language around our loyal listeners, the tens of thousands of guys that listen is every Tuesday. Every Tuesday I'm ready for that, that next episode to drop, and you are, you are to thank for that, and I appreciate that. Well, my pleasure. Um, I'll give you my bank account for the royalties. <laughs> Uh, well, it won't be much, but man, I'll, I'll send whatever I've got. Maybe a pocket square. I can easily do okay. that. I've got a few uh, extras laying around. No, people, again, someone asked me, do you look forward to this? Do you still? I'm like, heck yeah. This is, this is fantastic, too. You know, we spend so much time each year trying to beat somebody. Sure. That at least for these four or five days that we're coming together to for a common goal. You right. know, and, it, and people might think it sounds corny but you know me yeah, so yeah. it's really truly how yeah. you know I believe but but I enjoy it I the podcast um, I'm on the ABCA editorial committee too right I get those I get those um, emails about the things I call those coaches and say hey that was a really nice job tell me about it and wow. a lot of guys that are on these podcasts I email them and say great job can you go into this you know right. Brian Green called him i said hey i listened to your podcast i got a problem you seem to be able to help me with it wow. can you? you know so it's a it's a fantastic resource wow. it's and the people that are on them yep if you email them and say hey i need some help they're right there right man. there oh. you know well, that accentuates the uh the true brotherhood of this community how you know we all steal from each other sure we all share everything 
Um, and that, that, that's a huge uh, exclamation point to what, how special this group is. I, I do want to go into this. I, I, I know you well enough to know how you're engineered in the spirit of our listeners and, and a lot of our members. You're constantly finding, trying to find a new way to get better. You're constantly uh, not being just settled in where you're at and what you're coaching. You're always tweaking, reading, listening, and trying to find new ways. Can you point to maybe something specific maybe recently that – challenged you a little bit that maybe you went you know what I could do better at that I could coach that better I could maybe tweak the way that do you have anything you would really point to and say this is something that challenged me that I'm, I'm willing to change well everything really um, love it uh, two years ago we had or a couple years ago we had a really good run uh, we were in a super regional years ago mm-hmm. haven't been back and that kind of fueled me to, we got to change things. Sure. You know, you just can't, it, it would be perfectly acceptable for us to keep doing what we'd be doing. Right. So, you know, we were going to, we did practice different. I dealt with the players differently. Mm. We did, we changed some recruiting things. Um, uh, and I think it's really good as coaches that you do that, that right. you continue to evolve and change. And, and uh, my old boss used to kind of make fun of me a little bit in a, tongue-in-cheek when I come back from the convention I would want to change practice yeah, no doubt. Um, yep. but it's it's true you know you never you don't think of everything and you can't go upstairs and say I'm going to do exactly what this guy does sure. you can't do that you go sure. hey this is the, the two things I always come away with is one I'm on the right path yep you know like confirm where you're confirm, at confirm and then the second one is like hey, that was a really good 45-minute talk. These three points I think I can use. Mm. I, I, I'll tell everybody, we were listening to Pat Casey. Yep. I took three notes. We have our first practice on Sunday. There's two things that I'm going to use. Thank you, Pat. Um, <laughs> Shout out, Pat Casey. Yeah, Thank you. Uh, that I'm going to use. You know? Wow. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's the delivery system, and I think you've got to continually change the way you deliver and your message because uh, it can, you can get stale. Yeah, you can right. get old. And that's why I'm interested in – I'm I really anxious to listen to Tim because I listened to his podcast. Mm-hmm. I emailed him, and Tim and I are friends. Yeah. And I said, hey, I have a few questions. Um, do you really meet every day in that classroom? And he's like, yes. I'm like, every single day? It's special, man. And I go, what, what are the topics? And he goes, I'll see you in Dallas, watch the, watch the presentation, and then, you know, we can talk after. And I'm like, I don't, like, I, I, I don't know if my players would say, come on, coach, that's enough, like, every single day. Or I'm anxious, I'm really anxious to yeah. hear um, what he has to say in, in terms of the way he presents it and, you, you know, I, I know a little bit just by talking to him about it, but I don't know at all. But I, I, I just those are the things that, um, because of the the delivery and the message becomes more important, especially where the game is going. That you have eight, nine, ten year olds exposed to so much hitting and pitching, and sure. when they get to you or us. You have to refine them. You can't retool them. Right. And their parents had spent a fortune getting them to that. They're not going to allow it. Mm. They're going to be very resistant. So I think the more strides that you make are in the personal side of it 
and to be able to try to help them grow as people and they become better baseball players. And they, they actually um, they actually will go, oh, I get it now. Yes. You know, yes. I, I get what you're doing. Tyler Frank, who was a very good player for us, um, his father actually stopped me at a tournament this summer, and Tyler was second rounder signed, and he goes, I was a little nervous when he first got there, but there's a method. And I said, yeah, yeah, you know. Isn't that what we're coaching for is sure. that moment? Yeah, 100%. That moment where, where it hits. 100%. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, let's, let's go to this, Mac. Um, again, as loyal and as passionate, and now our new NCAA Division One chair. Awesome. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thank um, you. So coming from you, and, and again, how entrenched and how passionate you are about what we're doing here, I think it's a great opportunity to for the listeners that aren't here. And I was just telling Coach Martinez, man, I, I feel for those dudes. But, and, and ladies that, that aren't here with us, when you're talking to them directly, what's your pitch? Hey, you've got to figure out a way to get to Nashville. How do you say it? you got to get here. It's uh, simple. I know finances and time and family, and, and um, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. Just like, uh, again, Coach Casey, thank you again, he said that the kid lived in a camper, wanted to play baseball. Did you, were you there? He was talking about three, three players that made an impact, and he said one of the kids lived in a, you know, his family had no money. Wow. He lived in a camper at a campground and would come to campus and I think that if it's important to you, you'll find a way here. And once you're here once, you'll want to come back. That's it. Because it really is a, a camaraderie, and the, the people make it. The coaches make it. Like, I see people out of the blue come up, hi, coach, I'm so-and-so, and, you know, to a John Savage or a Kevin O'Sullivan. Sure. And those guys are great, you know. Yeah. Hey, great, you know, hey, that's great. Keep up the good work. And, you know, sometimes – those coaches don't realize the impact they're making. That guy, you know, that, that was a big ask for that guy to walk up and say That's something. Right. And for you to be able to do that, that guy, it might change the trajectory of his life. I always think Ron Polk changed for me. Yeah. This, this organization in right. terms of I knew I wanted to coach, but coming to this, you know, I walked around for probably six, eight hours kind of bumping into walls, not knowing what to do. <laughs> sure. Um and then, you know, in that, in that business meeting on Thursday night, he was so gracious to me. He probably doesn't even remember. Um, he was so gracious to me, and he renewed, you know, or gave me fuel to kind of come to these things and get involved. And, sure. You know, because if you're up there speaking, you want to talk about what you're, you know. Yeah. If you, if you spent that much time putting a PowerPoint together or whatever it is, uh, you want to do it. So if you walk up to people, you know, they'll be – more than gracious to help you out. That is the beauty of this fraternity, which is awesome. Those guys walking around the trade show floor, we've got Chuck Box, head coach at Hartfield Academy in Jackson, Mississippi. Chuck, thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks for having me, man. We're yeah. excited to have you. Yeah. Here's the beauty of this. This this convention for you is number 30, uh, 29, 31st year in the there it is. Association, yeah. We waited I missed two. Okay. Yep. We waited 29 years. 29 years. To in, get you on the main stage. And my first <laughs> convention was in Dallas. How about that? Yeah, the Lozanatol. How about that? All right, then let's go right yeah, to that. Yeah. First convention. 
the first time you got it, take me through that experience. How did it feel? How did it look? How overwhelmed? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how did it all go for you? Very overwhelming. Tom Gladney was uh, the guy that brought me. He was a baseball coach at Mississippi College. I was a graduate assistant. I think I'd been married one year. Okay. Didn't have two nickels to rub together. Had no money. <laughs> of course. And uh, coach brought me over here, and, and I remember walking in the exhibit hall, and I, I, I thought, what in the – this is like nirvana. It was baseball heaven for <laughs> right. me. Right. The other thing I remember was seeing all the coaches walk around, like Coach Polk and, yeah. and Coach Kendall. And I was a college baseball junkie, and I still am. And seeing those guys in person, it was overwhelming. Yep. And I remember going back thinking, I'm so insignificant in the overall scheme of things because there's so many coaches. Sure. Uh, but uh, what a great experience it was. And I've, tried not, I've only missed two. One, one of them was yep. the birth of a child, and one of them I'd gotten out of coaching. And yep. I regret it. I was miserable the whole time I wasn't there. <laughs> You know, Luther's hitting me up. Like, we were visible not having Luther, you. Luther, you know, where are you, Chuck? And so, but, yeah, it's been awesome, man. It's awesome. Your experience is so unique because you've seen it on the college level for a lot of your career, successful high school coaching career. And so you see it through a lot of different lenses. My guess would be this. When you're looking at your convention experience early, you're young, you're fired up like most of us, you hear things so much more fully. Because every idea at that time in young career is a new idea. Absolutely. Now you've really gone through the process of maturing as a coach, figuring out what work, work, works for you, what works for your program, what you believe in. Um, so when you come to a convention like this, my guess would be that your ears are sharpened differently. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I think the biggest thing is you. it becomes more relational, like you and okay. I talked a yep. little bit about, and yep. you're looking maybe a little uh, more on how to connect with kids and you know, but kids had. I, I heard some older coaches today talking about kids today, and yep. I kind of get that's a. I get frustrated yep. hearing that. I don't think kids are different. The world's much different. But I, I think the thing that I try to do do differently too now is I try to find ideas I can bring back, and that's something I'm going to talk about on Sunday. Absolutely. Or, or here's some. The best conventions to me are the ones where I go, and, and you know, there's a thousand ways to fill a ground ball, but right. show me how you do it. That's and, it. And that's what I really like. So I think I search more for those kind of things now which is what you've done with with the barnstormers you've now you've brought a lot of that you know clinic information to us yep. how do we operate within the parameters of our program with the drills and i think that's what i look for more now and then obviously the relationship getting to see people that's like, it. like my guys and you know the other thing that you did is having the videos now yes you, you don't have to sit in there to get the information all day you can get out and meet and talk and do that's these right. kind of things and know that i'm not missing a great clinic presentation i think that's huge too because back in the old days you we had the cassette tapes, and the only way you could hear it, you popped the cassette tapes in and you had to listen to them. That's but now it. if I miss a clinic, then I know I can go back and, and, and see it. And I'm, So I'm, it frees me up to do this kind of stuff and That's to right. go to dinner with friends and hang out. Yeah. That's right. And obviously we, we never want to take away from a clinic or somebody uh, watching one live. Sure. But that is the beauty of the, beauty the, of the video aspect yep. where – uh, you know, a few weeks later, you'll have all those videos at your fingertips. This year, there's so ahead. many choices. It's, that's it. It's it's it's, it's almost uh, a little overwhelming in terms of all the stuff that's going on. But I know that if I miss something, I can still get it. That's right. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Hate to leave content on the table. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think another interesting aspect, and you know, we're talking about the main stage, preparing for this one. You've yeah. got such a a neat topic. Uh, talking about sifting for gold, and and your uh, and we talked about it on the podcast when you came on was one of uh, your spirit has always been lifelong learning. Yep. That's probably why our friendship has really blossomed because we challenge each other, same as as Luther does. Um, but you're you're really encompassing that on the main stage in terms of if I'm a youth coach, a high school coach, heck, another college coach. 
It's the ability to realize that in our community, everybody's a brother. They're a phone call, an email away. Yeah. But you have the opportunity to go visit them yep. and walk in the shadows of their program and listen to their meetings and get a feel for what they're doing. And that's really helped, I'm, I'm guessing, really helped you flourish as a coach. Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, when I, when I got the invitation to speak, I thought, you know, there's not. I don't really do anything better than anybody. Like, I, you know, I'm not the best hidden guy. I'm not the best infield guy. Okay. But, but what I've done is I've been a lot of places – I've seen a lot of things. I've yep. reached out to a lot of people. So, you know, and, and having said that, and then, okay, what did I enjoy the most about clinics? I loved it when I would go and I would get an idea. Right. So I thought, you know, hey, what, what I can offer are things that I've seen. And it's not all just places I've been. It's, it's maybe um, I've expanded it since you and I. Of course, you're the one yep. that gave me Sheets gets the credit. And he gave <laughs> me the title. He, he helped me work through the title. And, and, <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, you'll take the credit. And, and uh, But but it kind of morphed into not just places I've been, but – information that we've mined through phone calls or emails yeah. or there's a couple of slides we're going to show that are ideas that we got from players that left our program and went out and played another right. program and came back and said coach Huge. I got this great drill yep. and you know my goal on Sunday is to hopefully give and it's probably more for high school and youth guys something that they can take back or even more importantly maybe get them to thinking hey you know what this is an idea that that maybe could morph out of something that I said yep. so that information to me is, has been invaluable. And, and you know, I, I want to I tell you, um, and I'm, I hope to mention this Sunday if I have time, but I don't think anybody's impacted the coaches in our organization more than you have in my mm -hmm. 31 years. And the reason I say that, there's been a lot of great men that lead this organization. Yeah. I'm not trying to take away from any of them. Sure. But you have made information more readily available, which for me, from a, from a high school guy or junior college guy, without the resources – uh, you've brought that information to us through mm. podcasts. And, 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 I mean, I don't even – you do so many things now, I don't even know what we're doing, you know. <laughs> right. But thank you because you, you, you've been able to do that and, and I, the, the resources you've given us are amazing. But what I hope to do is maybe share a little bit of what I've seen with some guys. And my hope is at the end of the day, they, you know, that was a cool idea. I can do yeah. that. Or, or, hey, you know what, I could adapt that. and. You know, you said something a minute ago about being overwhelmed. One of the things that I, I love to tell young coaches is take the information, put it in your back pocket, put it yep. in your tool bag. You may not be ready for it now. Right. But as your program grows, as you grow and you evolve, then you pull those things out and you use them. Yep. Gosh. Well, first and foremost, thank you. And I, I always, uh, when you talk about what our staff has been able to do the last few years, I go back to, I had this conversation earlier, was the first couple of weeks on the job, and we, we talk about, well, what is the ABCA? And again, coming from the coaching ranks, well, what what is your perception of the association? And it's it's this convention. And and at that time, uh, we didn't have the resources readily available that we do now. So the transformation uh, from where we sit is probably more of one of uh, there's more readily available, digestible ways that you can find to learn and to challenge yourself and to grow. And more than that. We're much more bigger than just a convention. Yep, exactly. uh, we, we have a, a weekly podcast. We have a, a bi-weekly chat. We have a hopefully consistent social media presence. And just our team really bringing that to our coaches in a way that I think that's why we're seeing record numbers walk through here today. I think we've uh, touched them in ways that, um, that they feel like they have to be here. They have to be part of what we do. Yep. Um, you and I talk about this a lot. We've tried to invoke. And, in, and invest in the nurturing of the idea of being a lifelong learner. I mean, yep. truly yep. The, the deep spirit of that, and I think there's a ton of guys here that encompass that. Well, it's been encouraging to me because one of the things that I think has, has flown out of what you've done, 
I've had coaches reach out to me, and it's made me. That's been the cool part. Well, it's made me look at myself a little bit more. You know what? I'm, I'm a mentor. I mean, it's yeah. like, whoa, I, I really <laughs> You've am. crossed over. I've crossed over, you know, <laughs> and, and without being arrogant or whatever, but you, you do with, with the experience have something to offer. But yep. yet, you know, one of the things that that's happened with some of these interchanges is I've had an opportunity to learn from some of those guys because sure. I'll never, I won't ever talk to a guy unless they give me something back. I mean, I'm still selfish. <laughs> I, want, I want you to give me some right. info back. And, right. you know, sometimes it, it makes you kind of think what you're through what you're doing a little bit too. Yep. So, but I've seen a ton of young coaches, um, and the social media presence. Sure. I, I, I wonder sometimes is it really more or less or we just are telling about it and we're telling our story better. Right. I think that's the biggest thing with ABC. I think we're doing a better job of telling our story. That's a fair point. And, and, and that's through some technology, but I think it's through you and, and a lot of our younger coaches who are on social media yeah. constantly talking about it, and, and uh, it's, it's made a huge difference. You know, I had a coach uh, was a couple months ago on Barnstormers, and we talked about the, the spirit of sharing. And, uh, and if you've guys listened to the podcast, and we talk about this a lot, is one of uh, baseball coaches are just really unique animals in that we'll give you everything, but I won't tell you what my signs are. And yeah. that's always been there. That's not yeah, something sure, that sure. we're going to credit to the podcast or any other thing we've done. But um, I think what social media has been able to do and what the podcast has been able to nurture and, and where it's you're getting at to your point is that spirit of sharing has, if it was on a level five, it's on a level 12. I mean, yeah. it's just completely – amped in a way that um, relative to specifically your point is that, you know, we're sharing tweets and you're sharing information. Um, you're right. It may not be exactly the way you do it or you say it or it could be a little far stretch, yep. but at least you're sharing it and at least it may challenge another person who reads it. More than that, if that person's out there sharing it, they're certainly reading and learning that's as well. Exact, that's exactly. Well, I just ran into two coaches. Uh, we were at we we hosted one of the ACE clinics. Yep. Brett, Brett Christensen from Park Place yep. hosted it, and they used our place. We were just facilitating it. Sure. And I learned two things in there that we've implemented. One of them, you know, Brett teaches wow. hitting. He talks about hovering over the backside, staying flexed. You know, I hate staying back. It's passive. Right. But he he uses the term hovering. That's wow. great. So we we kind of implemented that. And then the other thing is our implementing our core covenants. Hmm. Uh, one of the coaches from, from uh, the Delta, they, each day is a different core covenant, and they just repeat it every week. And they, wow. you know, like passion is, is uh, Monday. Hmm. And so every Monday you, you, you tell a two-minute story about passion or whatever. So you're, and so we, but that's an example of sure. younger coaches who are just starting, Ace Clinic, me going, going, hey, you know what, that's a good idea, and going back, wow. and now we're doing it. So that's kind of that cycle that just keeps feeding itself. I vision you in front row taking notes. I, yeah, I'm in. I, sometimes I get hung up talking in the exhibit hall, and I've, <laughs> yeah, sure. but I got the videos. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Um, okay, last few things I got for you. I think uh, you know you're such a guy that um, is in that whole spirit. Is there something recently that you think triggered you in a way that you, you kind of at your core went, oh, you know what? I've been teaching it that way. Hovering to another example. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I could probably think differently about this or you read an article you listened to a podcast and you went you know what i've never really considered that can you point to something more specific well you and i talked on our podcast a lot about the data and trying yeah. to figure out how to how to how do we take that data at the high school yep. game and you know i listened to i think it was coach baxter's uh yes. i got i bought that by the way if you hadn't bought it unbelievable shout out to coaches That's insider what these they two do. guys right here what's up yeah. good job but uh <laughs> He was talking about the assessments that they do, and mm -hmm. we do this, something similar. We don't have the technology that they have, but to me, how do we, uh, how do we use a technology that's readily available? Yep. Because, you know, buying Rapsodo is great and using Rapsodo, but how do, we, 
how do we implement use it? Use it? I yeah. think that's the big thing. And one of the things that I'm hearing about Repsoto and Blast and some of these guys is they're doing a great job of kind of holding your hand on the other side of the purchase, right. which I think is new yep. in, in our field. But that's one thing that we've been thinking a lot about. I just read Astro Ball, which was amazing. Got to get my hands uh, on it. I just finished it and, and I actually put a slide in, in my presentation on Sunday. It talks about growth mindset. Yep. But I think the other thing that I'm really diving into is we did something for the first time ever this year. We did personality testing on our kids. Um, wow. And, and so what m makes our guys tick? I, th mm. I think that's something that I haven't been as good at. I, I, I thought I was, but right. I'm much more intentional now of understanding a player's psyche and, and that sort of thing. So a lot of my energy and time is – and you're seeing it a lot in Major League Baseball. But, sure. you know, the, the whole trick is how do we take these golden ideas that uh, – they have seven people working in that department. Right. You know, and here we are. We do everything. How do we – so that's the trick for us. But those are two things that we're really – how do we implement data on a daily basis into our program? And then mm. how do we assess our guys better to know what we're working on, working with on the front end um, wow. instead of putting everybody in the same box? You know, instead, yeah. of, instead of saying, hey, I'm going to put everybody in one box, we need to have 35 boxes that we're, mm. that we're managing. So that's something we're trying to do a little bit. And then the third thing, um, you and I talked about this, is, is, is and I'm going to tell the story Sunday, but understanding our why. why you know, but, I mean, our how. Our how, our yeah. How. Not just knowing our why, but knowing yep. our how. So that, that's probably what I'm uh, marinating in my head a little bit. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah, that's still – know exactly where I was when we had that conversation. Yeah, good stuff. No, no doubt. All right, so there's people listening to this and certainly people out yeah. on the floor that know folks that aren't here with us and they're listening to the show and they're going, sounds really cool, and I can hear some buzz in the background, yeah. a little bit of music playing. Chuck's delivering gold here, but they're, they're looking at their calendar going, should I come to Nashville? What would you speak directly to well, that here, person? Well, here's what I don't understand about coaches, and we're not talking to the people here, but, like, I don't understand. I talked to a coach today who's not here, and I'm like, how is that not on – that's just a part of your calendar. Yeah. To me, February 11th is opening day. January 7th is opening day of practice. Well, this is on my calendar. Yeah. And, and I, so I don't really uh, – that's foreign to me. Like, yeah. why would you not want to be here? Um, I have some guys that like to deer hunt or what, you know, and that's, right. they use that excuse. But uh, you're missing a lot if you're not here. Um, you're missing the connections, the relationships. But, you know, the people that are here are getting better, yep. and they're going to beat you because they're getting better. So if you're a competitor, you need to be sure. here for any reason. So you just won't get your butt kicked. You need to get here. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Put that on a shirt. That's going right on a shirt. Be at the convention or you're going to get beat. That's period. it, yep. 100%. Yep. Uh, Chuck, I, I say this, and I tell you this all the time. We're thankful there's men like you inside our association doing what you do, coaching the way that you coach and learning the way that you do. And I know you're going to crush your presentation. I'm looking forward to catching it. I Thanks for so. jumping on with yeah. us, man. Love you, man. Thanks. Love you too, Appreciate dude. It. Thank you. Yep. Excited to welcome in one of our uh, most famous Barnstormer Clinic hosts, speakers, one of my close friends, fired up San Diego State head coach Mark Martinez. Mark, thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks for having me. It's, this is awesome. You're the best. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is this is this is awesome. I'm very honored to be here. Thank you. Let's go into this right away. How many conventions? Man, I started going um, in 1990. Um, I haven't been a consecutive guy, right? Um, yep. But I've been going for a long time and. Um, this is kind of where I cut cut my coaching teeth. You know, this is where I've, I've learned so much baseball from great baseball minds like Ron Polk and Skip Burtman, Dave yep. Bingham, yep. Bob Milano. I mean, the list goes on and on. Mark Marcus and 
Um, I, I, you know, and it's it's not just the the speakers. It's it's hanging out in the trade show and talking ground balls or right. hitting, and and it's just you learn so much when you come here and you walk out of here ready to go to work this next week. I'm so excited just to get back, and I'm we're in day one really. That's it. Yeah. Let's go to 1990. Uh, nine years old, and you're <laughs> <laughs> you're getting to your first convention. Take me back to that that moment. Well, I I, I I lied to you a little bit. I did go to one other convention before that, and, okay. and again, this is when I was a teacher. I was a I was a I was an elementary school PE teacher, so I was a I was a I superstar, yeah. In Fruita, Colorado, okay. um, I went to school in Grand Junction, and I graduated, and ended up getting an opportunity to uh, teach right after I finished my my uh, education. Yep. I didn't get drafted, obviously. <laughs> um, I got drafted Destined into go coach, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And um, my first convention was actually, oddly enough, I, I went to San Diego, California. And um, this was like 1988-ish, 87, okay. right around there, about 87. Um, and the keynote speakers were was uh, Don Mattingly and Tony Gwynn. And, um, and so it was my first opportunity, and, and I, got, I got off the plane, you know, and and I, you know, I didn't know how to schedule it all back then. Right. I got off plane, and, and it was right across the, the way, the, the hotel. And I'm hustling over there. I'm trying to get in. And I know that I know that Mattingly and Gwen are speaking like in about a half an hour. So I got I got to hustle. Right. And um, <clears throat> I'm walking along the the sidewalk, and there's the sprinklers are going off, and there's a guy in front of me pushing a stroller. And I'm kind of getting a little fired up, I like, love this. like yeah, you know, you need skull, like, you know, I'm I'm late. It's all about me, right? <laughs> sure. And uh, so I end up, you know, finally getting into an opening. I turn around, it's Don Mattingly. So I was I, was, I wasn't gonna miss, but I'm glad I didn't say anything to that guy. So <laughs> right. um, that was my first opportunity. I sat in the front row, and I took uh, a bunch of notes that day, and and I I continued to go the whole time, and and it made a difference. And and so I went back home, and and I started. Um, you know, going back to, to school, but coming on the way back, um, Sam Saplizio, yes, um, it was from Grand Junction, played in the big leagues with the Angels, with all, all kinds of people, was on the seat next to me, and um, we we're coming back, going back to Grand Junction, and uh, we started talking about the convention, how much fun I had, and he told me, he says, you know what, you need to coach in college. Wow. And um, my coach in college, Jamie Hamilton, worked for Sam Saplizio, and um, my, I find myself in their office on Monday morning and kind of saying, okay, wh- what are you talking about? I need to go right. uh, uh, coach. And they said, well, you need to go back to school. You need to go get your master's. Mm. Yeah, that one hurt. Yeah. And, then, and, so, school, really. um, and that's kind of how I ended up uh, going, going to New Mexico, you know, through their, you know, tutoring and, yep. and mentoring. They, they said, this is what you need to do in order to put yourself in a position to coach in college. And yep. really had no designs to do that. I, I, I didn't realize that. That was going to be my path, and I went down to New Mexico, and I got my uh, started on my master's, and uh, finished that right around the fall of 1989. Then my yep. first real convention, I guess, was uh, I can't even remember where. I think it was Dallas, actually. Wow, yeah. wouldn't that be neat? So uh, you mentioned Jamie Hamilton. We were talking about before we started mm-hmm. recording Jamie being the the godfather of the JUCO World Series at mm-hmm. Green Junction, and uh, with Jamie and, and we talked before we got going here is just that. From day one, when we announced, hey, we want to come out from a national office and spend some time, he absolutely rolls out the red carpet and uh, treats me like royalty. And I love that guy to death, love his whole crew, his committee. Um, fantastic dude. Talked about 
him as a coach, and, and, and again, you said you just got done hanging out with him as a mentor, as a as a figure in your life, someone that's really really changed the course of, uh, of where you were going. Well, he's uh, you're going to make me emotional, man. Come on, man. That's what I do. <laughs> this is Oprah. I mean, we're right here on the chairs, man. Let's make it happen. Um, no, Jamie. Jamie's just made a difference in my life. You know, when I went to um, it's Colorado Mesa now. Was, at yep. that time, it was Mesa State. Um, you know, I went there as a junior after I played junior college, and, and Jamie was my position coach, and um, he figured out right away that uh, you know I, I was going to go 100 miles an hour, and, yep. and that kind of fit his personality, and we kind of yep. hit it off, and and so um, you know he he got me to be successful as a player, um, and he kind of you know, took me under his wing and. and let me coach like during the summers with some American Legion teams around sure. the area. And, and, uh, it, it, you know, and, and he kind of pushed me in that direction and, and always believed in me. And, and he has kind of been that guy that's been my advocate for, for as long as I can remember. He's like a second father. And, and, uh, he's the guy that says, Hey, listen, you need to go coach. You need, you need to do this. He's the guy that I pick up the phone when things aren't going very well, or if wow. it's, it's going good. And, um, I think the best way to describe it is that, you know, when, when I introduce him, you know, I introduce him as my coach. And when you can take ownership, you know, is, is when you're around the trade show or whatever, right. and you introduce somebody as my coach, that means that they've made a difference in your life. And Jamie Hamilton is my coach. I don't want to get emotional either. My, <laughs> my college coach was speaking upstairs earlier this morning at the youth clinics and mm -hmm. uh, Alan Cox from Okotoks. And um, Bart uh, went and grabbed me and, Hey, I don't want you to miss Alan. He's, he's, he's getting going here. Mm -hmm. Made my way in there, and I got in the back, and I'm taking it in. The room's full to capacity, and I felt myself getting choked up. Yeah. I had to get out. And I right. think it, but I think it's that, um, that relationship, that impact that those people make, and they, you know, that, that, that's what we do in coaching, how influential we can be. Mm -hmm. um, did you, as a young coach, fully understand maybe the bigger picture. Did you have that dynamic? Or when you look back, you're like, man, I, I really didn't see it as full I, as I think, you know, back when I started, honestly, I was just trying to get get through, you know, and, and learn as much as possible okay. and really kind of be successful where I was standing at the moment. Right. And and that's why I went to conventions and did clinics throughout the summer in different areas around the country and tried to find ways to, to talk baseball and learn from great minds and, sure. and, and, and just guys that are in it. They're in the trenches, you know, that's and whether right. it's a, a high school coach, a little league coach, travel ball coach, college coach, major league coach, as much as information as you can gather and then you can always test that out. You know, That's and you it. can find out and make it your own, or, or you can shove that aside and, and move on with what you feel is successful. Right. But, um, yeah, really back then it was more just, you know, I, I'm trying to find a way to learn myself to pass that information on to the, the, the kids that I was coaching at the time and finding ways to have them be successful. And, and really is, I didn't picture myself of being a head coach at San Diego State. You right. know, back then it was more just – you know, I, I was out there teaching and, you know, mentoring and, you know, learning how to recruit and get on the road and yeah. do all that really fun stuff. Yeah. And um, But uh, I, I, I do. I, I say this all the time. I'm very blessed and, and I'm, I'm, I'm honored just to have the opportunity to, to, to lead a great institution at San Diego State. And, again, I've been around great people. Jamie's one of them. Tony Gwynn's another one. Absolutely. Rich Alday, my coach at New Mexico, impacted my life and, and gave me that opportunity to, to be in the game. So, Back then, you know, again, I was a kindergarten, right. <laughs> kindergarten <laughs> PE teacher. And um, that was kind of thought, well, when I got done with school, that's what I was going to do. Sure. And then I had, you know, two men that believed in me that said, listen, you're going to go coach college baseball. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, when, when you see, hear that, you're going to be an assistant coach forever. And I was a coach, assistant coach for a long time, yeah, man. Yeah, you were. Yep. And, you know, and I had an opportunity, you know, 
coached with a legend at San Diego State, and he put me in a position to be where I am too, and I owe a lot to him. That's awesome. I mentioned Barnstormers <coughs> earlier just because we've hosted two there, but mm -hmm. more than that, the year that we weren't at your place, right. we flew to Notre Dame and spoke at that Barnstormers clinic. So one of the stories, you know, you and I were talking a couple weeks ago at your place was one that you told on the podcast, and I'd love for you to go through this. Great story about Tony Gwynn. You're, <laughs> you're getting diced up on a Friday night, right. and he saw the game differently than you did. Well, you know, and, and again, he, you know, for 20 years, and, and he's obviously an exceptional athlete. Yeah. Um, you know, now he, he's the, the skipper over at San Diego State, and he, he brought me in to kind of help kind of turn the, the program in a, in a direction sure. that he really wanted to do, and we felt like we were doing that. And this is my first um, spring there. We're, we're getting ready to play uh, University of New Mexico, who I just came yeah. from, and they got a little guy named Danny Ray Herrera on the mound. Um, he's about 5'8", you know, and, and uh, ended up pitching the big leagues with the Pirates. Did he really? Yeah, and um, before, you know, about a week out, I said, "Listen, T. Hey, man, this guy, this guy's pretty good, man. I'm just letting you know." Right. And you know, of course, Tony's like, "Tony's like, no." And I, I got to keep it G-rated, but you know, he's he's like, "Nah, I, no shot. This guy can't be that good." So during the week, you know, Tony's out there throwing BP. You know, he's trying to throw his change up and stuff. And our guys are, you know, of course they're hitting Tony. Sure. You know, and uh, so the game starts. I go out to coach third base, uh, bottom of the first. We're at home. Danny Ray dices is up one two three inning. I walk in the dugout and Tony's pissed. He's like, "What the hell's going on?" Right. And I'm like, "What do you mean?" I go, "This guy's pretty good." <laughs> and he's like, "I bust that guy's ass." And I'm like, "T, I'm just letting you know he's tough to pick up. Right. You know, you know the hater guy from the Brewers. How he kind of hides the ball. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of the same deal. Yeah. And and he had a he had a plus 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 changeup Bugs Bunny deal. So he's he's frustrated. He goes, "I don't understand. I don't understand why our guys can't." you know see this guy I love this. and and i'm like so i go back out bottom of the second one two three come back in the clipboard hits the hits the stairwell and he's like i i don't get it i don't understand and i go t i'm just letting you know <laughs> he's, he's pretty good. that guy's pretty good and he goes he's showing it right to these guys and i'm like uh. what do you mean he goes you know we always talk about pick up the window pick up the window I go, yeah and i said i said yeah i get it he says listen next time we're on offense Pick someone else to coach third base. I want you to sit here, and I want you to watch with me. And he says, I'm going to show you how easy it is to pick this guy up. We bust this guy. And I'm like, okay. So I sit in the stairwell with him, and he says, now when his arm, his hand gets in the window, I want you to call out the pitch. And, you know, of course, I'm like, okay, I'll try. <laughs> so, you know, he gets up there, and he throws a pitch. The ball hits the glove. And I'm like, that's ah, fastball. And he goes, no, dummy. <laughs> when the ball, when his hand's in the window, I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Right. So he throws a pitch, and, you know, I guess. I'm like, change up. He goes, no, it's a fastball. He goes, you know, you can't see that. And I'm like, T, yeah, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Right. He's like, he's showing it right to these guys. I would crush this guy. He goes, try it again. So now I'm going to bear down, right? <laughs> I'm going to put my hands up. and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Yeah, I'm going yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ultra focus. Yeah. And the guy throws a pitch. You know, sure enough, I'm like, ball hits the glove. I'm like change up <laughs> like he's and he's losing his mind he's like you don't see this and i go what are you seeing he goes you can't see his pinky coming off the ball when he's throwing a change up i'm like no t and none of the guys that are on the bench <laughs> can see that either i'm just letting you know he goes are you kidding me and i go no, i'm just telling you that just that, speaks to where he was right man. and he just you know he had done it over a long period of time at yeah. such a high rate and he could he could just pick it up like that mm. and and really that was you know a time where i think he realized like okay we're going to really kind of dial this thing up and right. and 
Um, we worked a ton on vision training where, you know, he devised a string s system, you know, mm -hmm. from, the, from the L screen down behind home plate, different yeah. colored strings. You know, our guys were having to call it the, the color of the string, and, and it really helped our guys. But, you know, wow. I think it helped him understand that, man, we, we all have to evolve as coaches, yes. you know, and, and yeah, as we know that we're all evolving here, you right. know, at the ABCA convention, getting better and sharing ideas and having opportunities to talk to just all these people. Mm -hmm. I, I just spent 20 minutes with – with uh, um, a coach that, that I've known for many years. I haven't seen him for like five years, and we're, we're breaking it. Down. We're taking ground balls in the trade show. You know, we're fanning him ground balls. <laughs> right. It was fun. You know, that's so awesome. but you, you got to evolve as a coach, and I think that's where that time with Tony was really cool to, to kind of oh. see that and help me also get better. Sure. You know, I'm frustrated. I can't. Obviously, I'm not working on vision enough. Right. And so we had to get better at that as well. So we had to evolve and get, you know, find ways to translate that to our players. Well, we're talking about the ABCA convention. I think <clears> if we're – paying attention to anyone that's here they're here they're loving dallas but there's going to be guys that are listening to this that aren't here they're watching the tweets i feel for those guys i'm sure it's a lonely place right. to watch what's happening on twitter but if they're listening to this mark and they're hearing from you how what would be your pitch to them hey you got to come to nashville well i mean it's one thing is that you can come with your buddies and hang out i think that's that's right. part of the cool part about it but i think the other thing is the amount of people that you get to meet and you get to share ideas with right you know whether it's on a on an expo stage or, or or if it's in the you know main hall listen to those guys but really the most important time is when you're hanging around in the lobby or that's right. you know and and getting introduced to such you know great people you know we're all baseball we're all in it together sure. you know and 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 it's really cool to you know to me make your way here to develop great baseball relationships and you're going to find yourself leaving here being a better coach and a better person it's really mm. cool <laughs> that will probably show up in the front intro of the podcast that's a great <laughs> quote um mark thanks for being who you are being part of what we do man thanks for being here enjoy your time in dallas my friend i, I will do that and you know i owe you still owe you dinner but you i don't do. see you in that san diego state gear i know you can't represent <laughs> but uh it's uh, underneath I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll look for it you're the best thanks, yeah, mark. thank you very much no thank doubt. you Felt like it was time here on the floor of the Dallas Convention to talk a little catching, so we thought we'd bring Tanner Swanson back up. What's up, Swanee? How you doing? Living the dream, my friend. What about you? Oh, I'm doing well. I know I don't want to keep you too long because you got to run up and catch Fergie on the main stage. Sat down with us yesterday, but, um, you know, I just, again, got a chance to visit with you up in May when you were in Seattle with the Twins, came through, um, and got a chance to talk. And, and the conversation we had, by the way, awesome, in a major league dugout, talking catching with you. Didn't see that happening five years ago. No. Um, but was really neat, Tanner, and, and it's one that, uh, like I told you at the time, man, it, that really challenged me as a guy that wants to get better at understanding the catching position and, um, and, and where things are at, where things are going, and if I were ever in front of a group, what I would teach. But more than that, uh, what was the current trends and where things are going in, in Major League Baseball, which obviously trickles down to us. Mm -hmm. um, can I just put you on the spot and just say, in terms of your uh, career path and, and coaching junior college baseball, coaching at the University of Washington at the Division One level, and then moving over and, and coordinating catching from the Minnesota Twins perspective for the organization, how have you been challenged in your growth as a catching coach to where you sit right now? Uh, that's a good question. Um, we asked the tough ones here. <laughs> really, it's just I think there's a lot of assumptions in the game in general, right, okay. that, that are being exposed um, with the advance of, of new technologies and data and, and trying to stay current with that is right. challenging for everybody and, and can sometimes be overwhelming. Um, from a catching standpoint, I think what the tech and the, and the analytics is proving that it's confirming what I think we've always 
already known right. in terms of the receiving piece trumps everything. Sure. Um, but I don't think we knew exactly how critical that piece was. Right. Uh, we knew it was more than important, more or the most important because of the frequency. It happens more often than anything else. But no doubt. the sheer value of a strike and, and how hard it is to hit at every level now with, yep. with the advances from the pitching stuff and more velocity and, and better breaking balls and no doubt. better stuff. There's, there's never been a harder time to hit, <laughs> right? So every strike, if you can create additional strikes, the value that has is vast. Yeah. And I think at, at the pro level now, what's really helped and, and sped up my growth is just sure. being confronted with that information and being able to really understand better um, how that can really impact the course of a game and, no and how much more relevant that is, I hate to say it, but re compared to blocking or throwing. And you look yeah. at the, the, the difference between the best blockers in the big leagues and the worst, and it's so minuscule that it's, I don't want to say irrelevant, but the right. spread when it comes to pitch framing is is enormous. You know, So those guys are creating tremendous value. The, the guys at the big league level, every level for that matter, sure. are, are creating tremendous value. And I think... Um, the data is just kind of validating that. It's helping expose Gosh. the guys that are really good at it and expose the guys that aren't so good at it. You know, So it's, it's really changing, I think, the approach to um, just the guys that are playing at the highest level. Yep. And I think that, like you said, that trickles down um, to everybody. I got so many rabbit holes I want to run down. The first one's this. Uh, how have you personally been challenged with that specific point in terms of the data, the numbers, the measurables, uh, the video that, that you guys are doing, and, and, you, and more than that, your uh, availability to just the, the top-end information. How has that challenged you? And more than that, how are you seeing the receiving element? Just stay on that, the receiving element. It's, how are you seeing that differently? Uh, it's challenged me because I'm confronted with it, right, and in trying to kind of counter some of the just the, the biases that I think we all have about right what we think it's supposed to be, um, and then comparing that to, okay, what are guys actually doing, right, and how are they De doing detail it? Detail that for me. What were some things, that gener generalities, coaches, they think might be happening but really aren't? I think it's it's hard to dispute that guys are manipulating the ball. Like, there we go. And, and five years ago, ten years ago, it was a, an era of stick it and just present the pitch where it's at, right. let the umpire make a call, and, and let's – Let's point out the elephant in the room that we're trying to deceive umpires. There it I is. Mean, I hope they're not listening to this. Are there any umpires like, out here? Nobody? Okay, we're good. That's the truth of it. <laughs> no I mean, doubt. The, the best guys in the game are manipulating the ball and egregiously. You yep. know, but I think it's egregious when you watch it on TV, right, from the sure. center field camera. Um, it, it looks like guys are really, you know, egregiously moving or manipulating the baseball. And I think the reality is the guys that do it well, it, it has – many elements of deception that umpires don't see yeah right? and and it's the information or the data is just proving that it works so you can fight it and say we're going to continue to stick the ball because that's how i was taught right um or you can embrace it and say well it's it's proving to be effective you mm -hmm. know and i think a lot of things go into that in terms of setup um the timing in which you know you're manipulating the baseball like, i think this has been proven right hitters if you freeze frame any hitter at contact Right, their eyes are not on their barrel. Exactly. You don't see the ball to the bat, right? It's, it's, it's out in front. Yeah. So I think for some reason, though, we've just always assumed umpires must have this superhuman ability to track it 60 <laughs> feet, 6 inches. They don't. All the way to the, they lose the ball too, right? Yeah. So the information they're using to make a decision, ball or strike, is the first two-thirds of ball flight mm. and then the finish, right? They see the presentation. And I think there's a gap there that the guys that are the most effective are taking advantage of that gap right? that, that's deception zone i would call it where 
the, the that's timing, the language you use. Yeah, the timing of their their moves. The umpires just they don't see it well, right? Mm. So. Um, the best guys, I think, have figured that out, and they're yeah. exploiting it. Is it too early to go into hashtag bottom feeders? No, it's, I mean, it was, you know, like anything, you're trying to build a culture or yep. a subculture within a culture, and that was something that, that uh, you know, we kind of just came up with out of fun, and, and it kind of developed a life of its own. And But just the mindset that we're trying to dominate the bottom of the zone. I like, love it. There's, there, from a frequency standpoint, there's more pitches ever you know, and it's especially breaking balls. Now you look at breaking ball tens or yes. trends or off-speed usage. You don't throw breaking balls at the top of the zone. So th yep. with the increase of sliders and change-ups and curveballs, it's there's more opportunities than ever really yep. to capture the bottom of the strike zone. And, yep. and the evolution of the strike zone too is is changing, right? So right from an east-west, you know, the days when Greg Maddox could go two or three <laughs> balls off the plate for strikes. So you just that you don't get those calls anymore. Like yep. The the strike zone is shrinking. Not in size, but in width, right? So it's it's getting it, narrow. It's also certainly and it's getting taller, yeah. right? So there's opportunities at the top yep. and at the bottom. So don't you think there's more at the bottom though? More at the bottom, just because you know typically when you pitch up, it's for swing and miss. Yep. You don't get there's not a lot of opportunities um, to steal strikes at the top, sure, because um, you don't get a lot of takes up there, yep. or you're intentionally throwing out of the zone for a chase, you know. Yep. But at the bottom, there's there's a lot of opportunities to. To expand the strike zone sure and you look at almost every you look at the top 10 guys in the big leagues um, from a pitch framing standpoint they all dominate the bottom of the zone like their mm. heat maps are down yeah and it's almost inversely correlated so if you're good down you tend to maybe struggle up right if you're really good up you tend to struggle down and, and so you can't cover the whole strike zone just like a hitter can't cover the entire strike zone no at all times so no the best guys are learning how to optimize certain parts of the zone based on their guys stuff and they're doing a lot of different things from a setup standpoint to, to try to really capture, hmm. you know, whatever zone is important to you. For us, it's down. Right. You know, and there's exceptions. If you have the, the high spin rate, high carry guys who are going to pitch predominantly up in the zone, then there's some things you can do in your setup to to adjust to that. So, wow. Um, but I think the takeaway is, is I think catchers now um, are becoming more and more intentional about the positions they're putting themselves in mm -hmm. to try to give themselves the best opportunity to capture strikes. Wow. Uh, you know, I don't want to turn your segment into how do you grow an exquisite beard uh, quite yet, but where I do want to go to is uh, your day-to-day -day schedule, and I think that would be a really interesting um, opportunity to open up and, again, pull back the curtain on kind of what your life looks like as you travel throughout the, the different affiliate programs and work your way up to the major league level and back down. Um, kind of what does your day-to-day -day look like? What are kind of the things you're looking to accomplish within that subculture of the catching core? Uh, I mean, the, the biggest piece, spring training, is the, is yeah. the big one. That's, a, you know, six, seven weeks, you know, at our training facility and, yeah. and really kind of setting the foundation. We, we run what, what I've termed stri a strike school where it's love it. predominant. I mean, we still block. We still throw. I, I understand that's a piece of, of the skill set that's required. But right. it's, it's, there's a heavy focus on the pitch framing. That's, that's being proven to be the, the most valuable asset a catcher can possess. Sure. So, um, and I think it's a really teachable skill. And mm -hmm. I think – the awareness level has continues to rise in terms of how important pitch framing is, but I don't know if the industry um, is doing a lot to really develop it. It's this mm. is the best pitch framer. Let's go acquire that guy, or let's let's this guy's a, in college can really receive. Let's draft this guy. But from a development standpoint, I think um, you know myself and yeah. other coordinators and yep. that are kind of in the middle of it and are trying to figure out how can we better develop this skill. It's a really it's a learned skill. No um, doubt. 
you know. So that's in your wheelhouse, though, man. Like you're honestly, you our friendship on this. Like you, you're engineered that way. You're engineered in that development standpoint. You're you're personally exhibiting that in the way that you try to learn and grow and even challenge where you're at. But you exhibit that true teacher personality, that true teacher uh, passion and mission. Honestly, I think that's the root of what we all. You know, that's that's yep. a coach. I think yep. at least. From my perspective, that's the root of what we do. Like sure. coaches or teachers, and our classroom is a field or a cage no or, doubt. or anything like anything else. So um, I take a lot of pride in in trying to continue to grow and improve and, and learn how to be more effective at right. at developing skills, teaching, motivating, all those things. So, um, but back to I guess back to your original question. You know, outside of spring training, once the season starts, right. um, you know, I'm on the road about half the month, you know, 15 or so days. and um, But complete autonomy to kind of go and wherever I need to be um, between our four or five minor league affiliates and, yeah. and set programming and get with players hands-on and, and coach the coaches. That's a big part of it, too. We no have doubt. designated staff at, at every affiliate that um, those guys are in the trenches daily. And it's easy for me to come in once a month and sure. I'm going to fix you. But it's the guys that are in the trenches that are – um, that's a big piece, I think, to to have an impact is, right. is being able to to coach the coaches and collaborate and, and make sure those guys are are uh, you know effective in their day to day right. with the catcher and, and, and their own development. So, Goodness. Um, but then a lot of it can be done remotely too. Like I, yeah. I get games, I watch every game from home. So even when I'm not physically on the road, you know, there's daily communication between myself and the catchers and right. myself and the manager or the catching coach and. Right transparency full transparency on their performance which i think has been something that is hasn't been always been available like sure. now the framing metrics it's we're not hiding it from the player it's right i've been open book about this is how the industry not the minnesota twins this is how the industry is evaluating you no doubt. like so i think we'd be doing them a disservice to hide it from them like so here it is here's what it is like it's not i didn't make up the metric up i'm not pulling these numbers out of a hat like this right. is, is what it is like and let's figure out how to you know make some adjustments and then and measure it and and it gives us full transparency on what we're doing the one knee setup is helping you in the bottom of the zone look since you acquired yes. or made this adjustment here's what's happened yep. or the other way around it's let's not do that right but either way we have you know we're we're figuring out through trial and error and wow. and uh trying to figure out how to improve and and capture more strikes and that helps everybody right no so gosh uh with the cameras weren't here i would tell the, the podcast listeners that i'm doing this interview wearing uh the famous tanner swanson strobe glasses uh but but i'm not uh but uh man i just again we're just we love guys like you that have really captured the energy inside of the abc in terms of the growth uh mindset the uh the lifelong learner mindset mission um, that's who you are, man. That's who you are defined. So it's cool to watch you also get into a position as a friend, uh, get you in a position where, man, you're completely flourishing. And, uh, again, I probably know too much, but just how happy you are and what you're doing, man, Absolutely. and just obviously uh, from where you sit, man, we're just thankful you continue to be part of what we're doing. Well, I think it's the other way around. I think I need to be thanking you Come and, and on, the man. platform that, that you and the ABCA have, have provided, my, a guy like myself that, mm. you know, didn't have a lot of experience and, and took a chance on a young coach and, threw me on the main stage and, and what that it. did for my career. Like it's, yeah, it's uh, I owe a lot to this organization and I'll continue to be here every year. And it's one of my favorite weekends of, on the calendar. So That's awesome. Keep so. enjoying Dallas. Keep making your rounds around the floor. Now you got uh, 
go chase and go catch Ferg a little bit. But I, I got to get up there. It's awesome. So we appreciate we'll, it, Swanee. We'll Thanks for joining see us. See if he's wearing flip flops or not. We got a bet. <laughs> Strong so. chance. Let's so. <laughs> see ya. Cool. Thanks, Sheets. My pleasure. Excited to bring in one of my close friends, a guy that I truly respect in college baseball, and I'm excited to dive into this conversation. The associate head coach at UC Santa Barbara, Donald Gofergus. Fergie, thanks for jumping on with us. What's up, Sheets? Not much, brother. It's How are you doing? Great to be here. It is an honor to be here with you. You enjoy the chairs? These chairs are fantastic. Like I, I'm, I'm, if I wasn't flying home, if I had my pickup truck, I'd put one on the back because this is showtime. You and, and hopefully about 6,500 other guys uh, have sat in these. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're really, uh, really positive chairs. They'd look great in my living room. My wife would hate it. But uh, it'd This be awesome. could be your throne, though, which is, I think, appropriate for you. I need a throne. I'm going to talk to Chelsea about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into this. I, I want to start with, uh, obviously, you preparing for the main stage this year. And uh, we could probably spend, uh, I could sit here and talk an hour with you about recruiting because that's obviously where you've really made your bread and butter out in coaching. Um, but going up on the main stage, Obviously, number one, how excited are you to do that? It's an honor to obviously jump up there in front of those coaches. But then give us a little breakdown of what you want to really go, go, go into inside your clinic. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I obviously thank you for, for giving me the opportunity and, and having that conversation about trying to bring some different topics, which mm-hmm. we've, you know, we've talked about over the years. And sure. I think is really – that's a cool thing is yeah. to expand our world at this thing. I mean, the ABCA is just – it's such a cool organization. And then – this event has such good stuff for people. No doubt. I, I don't know. I've been, this is my 18th year in coaching, I think, and this is probably 15th convention. Mm-hmm. Um, and every year I get something cool. And, and so to be able to be uh, someone who's going to give a topic that hasn't been talked about right. a lot uh, is pretty cool for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously something uh, that I've, um, I've had some success with and, and mm-hmm. failed at a lot, which is, sure. which is what our business is about. So as we all uh, have, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited to do it. I, I mean, you know, I, I like to talk about uh, what I do and, and how we do it, and I'm passionate about that. So it's, it's to, to stand up there in front of all my peers, uh, it's a bucket list thing. Obviously, no it's, uh, it's something I think every coach in this in this business uh, at some point would like to do and, and try their hand at it. Uh, I'm fired up to do it. We'll see how it goes. I've I've got some I've got some thoughts and some notes and and uh, some slides, and, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> try to dim the lights on you. A yeah, bit. you know, I, I asked for some lighting <laughs> uh, some lighting options, and I'm not sure what I'm going to get. But I'm gonna I'm gonna make the most of it. I'll I'm not gonna call you high maintenance. I'm just gonna say you I, know. There's you, some diva in there. I'll, I'll, I'll creative that. vision. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. <laughs> all right. So uh, let, let, let's. I kind of. I wonder if we want to crack this shell because I think we could. Again, we could spend so much time. But I told you from day one, this is going to be a tough thing to do. You've yeah. got professional coaches. You've got college coaches. You've got upper level college coaches. You've got small college coaches. You've got high school travel coaches, youth coaches in the in the crowd. So how are you going to really tackle this? What do you expect those guys to really put in their bag and, and take home with them? Yeah, it, it, when, when you and I first talked about this topic, um, obviously I was excited, but then, I, but then as I started to think about it more, I'm like, how do I do that? Right. How do I bridge that entire gap of how, so much of this is built around something that everybody can take away, right? Sure. So we talk about double play feeds. We talk about pickoff moves. We talk about holding runners. That's something that every baseball coach can work with. Sure. Like we all have to do that stuff. Recruiting isn't that same topic. I can't just put a bunch of videos up there of drills that we do for recruiting. I mean, <laughs> I, you could you could video me, you know, with a radar gun or a stopwatch and, and, and how we do that. or How to pack a bag with granola bars. Exactly. <laughs> and fill up your canteen and all sure. that kind of stuff. Or, or uh, do a reality show of, of talking to moms and dads on campus. Sure. That's not the... the the 
the easiest thing to put on us in, into right. a slide deck and to to reach across all of those levels. Right. So um, as I started to go through it, it really became it was apparent to me the challenge of trying to get something that that uh, that was accessible to enough people. Sure. So what I what I ended up uh, sort of gravitating towards is the idea of what is the recruiting process really about? Mm -hmm. Like ultimately at our level, at the college level, and really even in, a, in the professional guys, it's still recruiting in a certain way sure. because you're still looking at players, you're evaluating players, you're working with programs, you're yep. trying to pick the right player, yep. you're trying to get to know them. It's a different process, but it's ultimately the same, which is trying to find the players that can help your organization. That's right. And I think even in high school and travel ball, that happens. And obviously, I, I, you know, I don't want to say that high school coaches are recruiting players, but you're trying to find kids that can help your program and right. grow them. So I think those fundamental values and fundamental processes of getting to know people mm. are are universal in in this game. Yeah. And so I approached it from that standpoint of what's what's at the center of it all, and it's our players. That's right. Like ultimately, that's what this whole thing revolves around. So I'm touch. I'm trying to touch on how the player acquisition evaluation growth process happens for each of us no doubt. and how they all weave together. Hmm. How, do, how do I find players that, that help me? How do I help those players then get into professional baseball? Right. How do the high school guy who's trying to help his player get better, but also find a college program to play for? How do we work together to find the right fit for his players? Right. How do we do our jobs better as college recruiters? How do you do your job better as a high school and travel ball coach hmm. to get your players seen? And, and, you know, I think there's a lot of times it's easy in this business, especially now with social media to go, go grumpy old man and, and just, you know, other well, kids these days and, <laughs> sure. and high school coaches don't know what they're doing. And, and my job's so hard and we make ourselves too important in that thing. And ultimately we're coaching baseball right. and we're trying to find good kids to, to, to come into our program. And so if we look at it from those, <coughs> from that perspective, um, I think we can all do our jobs better. So that's, that's where I went with it is trying to reach everybody a little bit and say, yeah. Hey, I'm not perfect at what I do. We're still figuring this thing out from a regulation standpoint even, but how do we all work together better to get what we ultimately all want, which is our sure. players to have some success. Sure. Let, let's do this, Ferg. Let, let's layer by layer this real quick. Let's spend some time here with the travel high school coach. Mm -hmm. All right. So speaking specifically to them, what in your from your perspective, again, uh, throughout college baseball across all levels and, and obviously multiple success, hanging out in Omaha last year and now taking on a new position at UC Santa Barbara, when you're talking to that high school or travel coach, what are some things that they can maybe frame differently, do differently, uh, approach differently? to really help their players in recruiting. Yeah, I think I think ultimately again it goes back to what's your objective. Okay. It is your if your objective is hey, I can put another notch on my belt that I sent a guy to the Pac-12 or right. or the SEC or or whatever it might be or Division 1. Sure. Then you're you're going to miss some opportunities to really help mm. your player. If your objective is to truly help your player find the place where they can have the career that they want right. or or want to try and achieve then I think you approach it differently, and I think you're a little more uh, targeted, and I think you're a little more thoughtful okay. about where you're going to uh, start that process. And sure. I think you know one of the things I'll talk about tomorrow is is sort of the the enormity of the whole thing. You're like, well, there's 1,600 college baseball programs in the country. Like, right. How am I going to find? First of all, it's, that's awesome because there's that many 
opportunities perhaps sure. for my player. But now how do I find the right one for my guy? Right. And is it is it the one just down the street or is it the one all the way across the country? And and mm. and who knows? And yeah. so it's a little bit like when you're a kid and your parents are yelling at you to clean your room and you're like, I don't even know where to start. Like right. this thing is a war zone. <laughs> where do I begin? It's an elephant, take one bite at a time. Exactly. And yep. so you just you start. Just yep. go and, yep. and, and reach out. And and I think what what too often happens is Outside influences come in there and yeah. say, hey, I'll help you. Yeah. I know these guys, these guys, these guys. I'll reach out. I'll, I'll, don't worry. I'll take care of it. And that's where I think travel ball coaches can sometimes get maybe a little bit ahead of themselves okay. um, in, 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 in promising things to, to parents. And I think sure. that's one of the, one of the knocks of, of well-intentioned travel ball coaches and high school coaches is, is those outliers that's, that mm. you know, maybe promise a little bit too much. I think sure. if you're genuinely working with your families to say, hey, where do you want to go? What are you capable of uh, from an academic and financial standpoint and a travel standpoint? Where would you like to go? What are the priorities in picking a school? Start to listen to them first. Yeah, yeah. And now you'll go, oh, you know what? I've got an idea for you. These guys over here sound like what you're talking about. Right. And this place has this. And you'll start to, to narrow some of that stuff down before you even get started. And now you're not wasting your time, their time, and our time sure. in, in spinning our wheels. And, and we get bombarded every day with emails and texts and, and phone calls from, from really well-intentioned coaches. Sure. But then what we have to do is sift through that. Well, okay, well, what's his academic status and what's his family like? And, and you know, what are the tools like? And what, does he do? what kind of worker is he and what kind of right. teammate is he? Right. So we got to go through all of that. You know what all of us are looking for from a baseline standpoint. He needs to be a great kid. He needs to be a hard worker. He needs no to be doubt. a pretty decent student for most places. Yep. You know, and if he's not, then, then let's talk to the junior colleges and right. NIAs that right. can really help them um, with that piece of it. So I think, again, it goes back to starting at the beginning and saying, let's, let's listen to our players and our, mm-hmm. and our families and say, what, what do we need for you? And I, I think that will help most of those coaches direct their energies into a better spot. Right. Doing the homework on the front end is huge. And, and I don't expect you to know everything about how we do things in our program and, sure. and anybody else. But That's your job to articulate absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. But you can, you can begin that process by doing a little bit of homework. Maybe reaching out to, to, to coaches in general and saying, mm-hmm. hey, I've, I've got players. Um, I'm trying to help them. What can I do with you specifically right. to help filter through this you know, wow. I think every coach operates a little bit differently. I think some like to just be bombarded. Some go, hey, just hit me with it all, sure. fire hose me, and I'll figure it out. Okay, <laughs> great. Right. And, and some are like, hey, don't call me unless you've got a no-doubt, lock-it-down dude. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Or don't call me at all. Like, just send me an email. Just, I don't yeah. – right? I mean, everybody's got a little bit different sure. style. So what I think is, is doing that outreach – and we need to do it, too, as college yep. coaches. We need to build those relationships. We're going there. Yep. So I think that's a two-way street. And, again, that's some of the stuff I'll talk about tomorrow is how do, how do we meet in the middle on some of this stuff? And, and we've got to do our job, but you can really help us by being a little more proactive on understanding who we are as coaches and programs. I love that. Okay. And then we're just going to shift right down to the college sure. coach. So the college coach working their way of the lifeblood of their program hinging on their recruiting. Right. Yeah. So they they have a vested interest in that high school coach uh, being uh, great at what he does communicating well, the travel coach, uh, really being well-intentioned and trying to find the right fit for the player as opposed to a notch on the belt. From the college coach down, how do you see it? What's some advice you'd give? It, you know, I think, it's, I think it's for those young guys who are trying to figure this recruiting thing out or, or just, you know, guys that have, have been doing it a little while but want to get better at it. Sure. I think uh, being purposeful with your plan really helps most guys. Mm. Again, I just, 
the analogy of, of you've got a, a, a giant mess to clean up. Well, where do I start? Okay, well, just start. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, I, and, you know, if you've got 47 left-handed hitting first baseman on your big board, boy, that's going to be tough for you to narrow that thing down until you just get to narrowing it down. And um, I, I think the simple things like that can really help guys sure. make a better plan. I think when I first started, certainly, I got thrown to the wolves. I was coaching junior college as assistant coach. Right. Uh, my uncle was the boss. He figured he'd make up for whatever I screwed up anyway. <laughs> and it just kind of threw me out there, go find some players. And, I, you know, I just went and watched games. and go like, oh, that guy looks good. That guy looks good. Yep. And you start just fire hosing the whole thing. It wasn't until I realized, wait a minute, let me stop and think. What do we need? Who's coming back? Mm. You know, that roster management, I think, is so easy to think about in hindsight. But so often we get enamored with, oh, there's a shiny object over here. Oh, look at this right. player. He's really good. He already got two of those same guys. He's good. No, no question. You're yeah. right on the evaluation. Yeah. But does he fit what you're looking for and what you need? Mm. Or now are you having some redundancy built in that now you shortchange yourself over here on the other side because you just don't look at it from a macro level enough. Yep. And I think that's the biggest thing I see in, in on the college side of, of how do I approach the, the targeting? How do, I, right. how do I go find the players we need? Also, I just – being articulate about what do, what do we want? What right. kind of player do we want? Right. Everybody says, oh, we want tough guys. We want character kids. Sure. I, I get that. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Like, what does that mean to you? And I, I, I've had the, the, the good fortune, uh, and sometimes not so fun fortune, but good fortune of working for some pretty impressive people. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I, that I learned through that process, and especially in my last five years in Washington, is Boy, you, you need to find the right kind of makeup and the right kind of kid to fit a certain staff. Sure. And, and, sure. Um, and my boss now at, at, at Santa Barbara, Coach Chekets, is could not be more different than my boss at Washington. Right. And it is an entirely different type of kid that is going to be drawn towards those two, mm. two segments, but also really be able to flourish in there. Now, you also factor in your own abilities. And right. What's my role in that, and how do I fit into that equation? So you're selling yourself, your boss, your program, and you're trying to identify those kids that, wh who's going to work with us? Sure. I, I always tell kids when, when, and, and parents when we work with them, like, this dynamic between you and I needs to be good. Yeah. And if it isn't, it's okay. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's totally okay. But if it's really good, that's when the magic can happen. Wow. And and. and but you have to identify what that is. What does that mean to you? Right. What does that mean to you from a coaching standpoint of a, a good kid can mean a million different things. Like sure. there's lots of great kids in this country. There's lots of them. <laughs> Doesn't mean they can, they can fit with what you want to do and how That's you right. approach it. And, and I think we're all kidding ourselves. We're deluding ourselves in a lot of ways to think, well, I'll make up for that or it'll be fine. Or just get him around yeah. our guys and he'll be okay. Like I, yeah. I just think, I just think, too much, too many of us are willing to overlook some of those things that are red flags, and it doesn't mean that that kid won't work brilliantly somewhere else. Sure, but it may not be here, and that's yeah. okay too. It's a fair point. Uh, I want to go back to something you mentioned because I think there's, I think there might be some gold here, real quick. You're thinking about again recruiting for Washington, and again the dynamics in place, the type of player that you're going to need in that program. Certainly, it showed on the field, the regionals, the World Series appearance, um, and now shifting to a new staff, new head coach. You know, really, you know, you, you're able to put your stamp on the culture and, yeah. and what uh, Coach Checkets and his vision is for it and recruiting differently. How's that challenged you? Go into that a little bit. Yeah, it's been really interesting because before, for the last five years, I've been recruiting very, very specifically for my boss. Sure. Because he was such a strong personality and, and, and in a lot of ways, you know, difficult to, to play for and work for. And, 
and that's a challenge. You've got to find the right kids that can, can manage that. Sure. We weren't perfect at it. Um, Jason Kelly and I were, were certainly not perfect at it, but we, uh, you know, we had back-to-back top 15 national yes. recruiting classes and got to the World Series. So we, we managed to find a way to, to find the right fit of, of kids for that. But that was very specifically for um, that situation there. Right. You also had to be able to handle the weather. Yes, uh, the oh, yeah, academics. Yeah, yeah. Like you had to have kids who, who were like they didn't care about that other stuff. Right. They didn't get caught up. Now we had a beautiful ballpark, yep. incredible school, um, football, and all the rest at that place. Like it's a, it's an incredible place. Sure. So you had a lot of great things, but you also had some things that you had to have kids who goes. I'm good with that. I'm right. okay with that. It doesn't right. matter to me that it's going to rain for six months. <laughs> like I'm okay. <laughs> I'm tough enough I'll to be handle. Fun. Yeah. yeah. And so now. It's almost flipped completely. You have to find kids who almost want a little hardship because there's very few hardships at our place. You, you know, our I'm guys. I'm moving there next week, by the way. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, I, it's perfect for me in the flip flop life. <laughs> our, our guys have have their own hashtag on on social media. We live at the beach, and literally, literally, and, and it's not even kidding. They yeah. live on a beach, and so you have to find kids that that are that are tough enough and disciplined enough mm. to overcome sort of a lack of adversity in that way. Wow. You also have a head coach who's, who's tough and, and, and diligent, but not, um, you know, not an in your face, not a beat you down sort of person. Sure. And, and certainly that's not my nature. I'm a energy and, and let's have a great time and, and let's get after it. It's, it's more Pete Carroll than Nick Saban, I guess, if you want to use that football analogy. Yep. So you have to look for kids who, 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 you know, and again, a lot of them you're getting are upper economic yeah. families. They've got some, they haven't had a lot of hardships in their life, but right. they've got some personal discipline in there mm. to say, hey, all of this stuff, why this place is so great, it's, it's awesome and I'll right. enjoy it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm also going to be able to put in the work without, um, without slipping up. And wow. it's a radically different way to approach things. At Washington, half the year you don't want to go outside and, and have a good time because there's sure. you just let's go to the cage like yeah. that's the safe place yeah um and so it's it's an interesting challenge now you get a kid on campus there and and you it's take over. him to the beach and it's whew, over yeah i mean lock it in um but you, you do need to find you need to dig down a little bit more and you need yeah. to find kids who, who who have some some of that we call it obsession okay and it, it's sort of the the serial killer instinct to say uh I, I just ha- I'm, I have to go and work. I have to go do sure. my thing. I don't feel right if I haven't got my, my lift in and my run in yep. and my, my hitting session or my throwing session in or gotten 20 minutes of ground balls. Like, I just don't feel right if right. I haven't done that. Right. We need kids like that hmm. that really have that sort of intrinsic motivation and, and personal discipline. Right. Um, and so it's, it's been fun because you're in a great place, and so you have a natural – breeding ground for that but you do still have to be very intentional about the type of kid you're getting and, yeah. and again it comes back to that personal relationship that you develop with 100%. somebody and one of the things i'm going to talk about tomorrow is we keep pulling away from our time with players in the recruiting process right and well don't you can't talk to them until then and you can't talk to them till now and they can't visit until this time and i and i think sometimes and i'm not saying that we need to turn it into the wild wild west sure but we need time with players and parents to get to know them and they need Figure it with it us right because if we're really if that word fit is really going to be true, mm-hmm. it has, we have to have a relationship. We have to have done enough, spent enough time with each other and done enough together to know, I, I know what you're about. I know, yeah. what, I know what your values yeah. are. I know what your foundation is. And you know what I'm about. And we can work together and we're fired up about that. How about so. that? Okay. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I, I want to go to ABCA a little bit. Because yeah. 
uh, you think about a, a person like yourself, and I remember a couple of uh, opportunities when I was coaching that we spent time together here at the convention, obviously being here on staff, spending time yeah. here at convention. And uh, I know that you've seen the transformation of this association and certainly watching us break records even this year here in Dallas, uh, looking ahead to Nashville, which could be bigger in D.C. after that. Um, specifically for you, when you look at the growth of the ABCA, how have you seen it grow? Uh, what are the areas that you think uh, maybe we've really got ahead of steam and momentum inside of it? Uh, and then what, obviously, from where you sit, how does it feel to be part of this fraternity? It's it's so cool. It really is. And, and I, uh, I've i seen, you know, when I went to my first one yeah. um, and I didn't know what it was and I, I just – I didn't know anything, and I'm just right. wandering around, and and you just see the buzz, and, and you listen, and you try and take it all in, and you you go through that process. You're like, wow, this is this is quite a thing. Sure. And for the first few years that I went to that, it was it was awesome, and 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 I got really good information, like everybody. But I think what you guys have done recently in the last couple of years, and, and this is all credit to you about your push from a from a marketing, marketing is the wrong word. It's really more about awareness, I think, is right, probably the better right, term of right. just getting our message out and getting uh, the, the, the personalities out there, like um, highlighting the members that we have and, and the, the diverse cross-section of people that we have in this, sure. in this thing. And, and showcasing those people is, is incredible. And, and I think it's, it's you know, the, the Twitter and, and, and Instagram um, stories and, and connections that you've done is it's taken it to an entirely new level and it's it's, it's been incredible to watch and, and, cool. and to be a little bit part of it is is really cool i feel like i'm a little bit behind the curtain because you and yeah. i met years ago yeah. being schlubs on the on the uh <laughs> the, the camp, camp circuit, circuit yeah. you know and and yeah. i'm like wow you know yeah. it, it's so cool to to, to uh to, to see behind the curtain and, and see how this has progressed sure well i appreciate that our our, <coughs> our team uh, has worked diligently, you know, for the last five years to uh, be cognizant that we felt like we had a real opportunity to do some neat things. And again, uh, uh, it was pretty neat. A couple hours ago, Dave Kylitz, former executive director, stops by and uh, he's fired up. He's looking at it all, taking it all in. And uh, he goes, I just, I just love what's happening here. And again, to hear his perspective of really the person that, and I told him this, that built the platform for us and this team to come in and build upon. Um, that gave us the, the stable place of professionalism and class, especially the relationships with our vendors, our coaches. Um, but our team saw a real possibility that we could take some risks, we could do some things differently, we could attack social media in a different way, we could create elements like this podcast, we could uh, generate a, 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 if we're great at coaching clinics, let's take that show on the road. Certainly you, you were part of the piece yeah. of the puzzle to bring us up to Seattle, uh, in 2016 for Barnstormers um, and, and just have that courage to be able to do that. And it's really been, again, that's the rewarding part for this is sitting back and watching the conversations and seeing the smiles and obviously catching up with old friends and seeing this thing come together. And, again, I just go back to and there's Dave Kylitz as he walks by. <laughs> it's just, uh, it, it is really just seeing this, this brotherhood <clears throat> really almost amp up, you know. There's no question. And, and what – you know, I, and I don't know the process that went into deciding that you were the guy for this, but <laughs> genius. Like, well, I'll, the six degrees is, of – Is of, Craig here anywhere? Because yes, he needs to hear this. Yes, genius. Yeah. You need a raise, Craig. <laughs> the six degrees of Kevin Bacon should now be called the six de degrees of sheets <laughs> because you have been able to, with personality and just 
just the connections you already had of spreading that network, which is really what this thing is so incredible for. The ABCA, and, and going back to, to, again, my early experiences with it, it was a standalone event, it felt like. Sure. And, yeah. and I'm sure there were other things that I could have latched onto or gotten involved in, but sure. it felt, I think, to a lot of us, like it was a standalone event. Like you went to the convention yeah. and you learned, and that was your little window into to seeing everybody. Yeah. Now it doesn't feel like that anymore. Right. Now it's like you're building this suspense of, I can't wait to get there because I know what's coming. That's right. And I know the people I get to see and interact with. And, I mean, as you... I called, some, I called you last night to somebody, the mayor of this whole thing. But it's so great because I, I don't know how many people now that I meet that say, oh, hey, I saw you on this and, and the ABCA chat and Sheets, yes. Sheets talked about you. And, and, yep. and it's, it, it all works back together. And, and, and I look at some of the people that are like even speaking uh, this year, you know, with, with, with Gilly and, yeah. and, and Justin James and yep. the backgrounds that we all have and the way we all connected and met each other right. through you and through other things like that, that that's the really cool part of this thing. And that's what you guys have done an, just an incredible job of is, is, is really expanding that, that spider web of, mm-hmm. of connections. And, and it's not just the one event now. It's, sure. it's a whole year of activities and, and clinics. And, and that's the power of, of the group is we right. can give everybody better information. And, and you used to do it in a three-day package once a year. And yep. now it happens all year. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think that's incredible, and, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's something that I'm not sure that, that many other organizations could pull off in the same way. And, and, and the baseball coach, um, by nature, I think is, is a little bit traditional, mm-hmm. but curious about the new stuff. And ooh, yeah. let's, let's dab a little bit, and, and you've opened that world up to, to a lot of those guys. Wow. And it's, it's cool, man. Well, there's two things that I was concerned with bringing you up here. Yeah. One sure. is that I would get Only me- two, huh? Well, only two. Only two <laughs> things. One was that I would get mesmerized by your beard. Yes. It happened twice. Yes. Uh, and the other one is that there might be way too much Irish blood on this stage right now. It's Well, there's way too many freckles for sure. <laughs> for sure. And white skin. <laughs> no doubt. It's, uh, it's, it's a danger when, when, you, when you put the two of us up here well. is that uh, – I don't know whether there's there's a representative from from the Irish national team here. It's got to be I don't know, somewhere. I don't know where he's at, but uh, I'm sure his homing beacon is is going off right now. They should take a picture and put it on the <laughs> website because it didn't get much better than this. Honored to sit down, longtime friend, guy I admire in the coaching community, head coach New Mexico State, Brian Green. Greeny, thanks for jumping on with us. Sheets. Uh, Thanks for having me. Thanks for having New Mexico State. Uh, congrats on what you've done here. Uh, I've heard your name so many times, this convention, and what you've done for the ABCA as a former Wildcat, being a part of that family, but yeah. seeing what you've grown in. I, and I'm being serious. I'm an, I'd like to take the opportunity, but mm. um, you're blowing this thing up. The convention continues to get better. Um, I'm having a blast, and, uh, and I'm proud of you, you know, and Thanks, what you've brother. done, man. You, you're, you're killing it, and there's a lot of people who are seeing that. So congrats on this convention and what's going on. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. I know Craig and I just got talked a little while ago in our team, and we just we we're uh, we did not imagine our numbers getting to this place. Six thousand yeah. six hundred and fifty coaches, our biggest convention ever by far. Uh, our team's fired up. You know, we get a chance to finish tonight, uh, knock out tomorrow, finish up around lunch. We'll probably all uh, take our suits off, take our slacks off, get in some comfy clothes, grab some lunch, and I mean, <laughs> look at each other like, what just happened? Right. But, really accentuates your point that it, it's growing to a place where we were just talking before we got recording the feel is different the momentum seems large and we've got our hands all over it um, but more than that it, it's what 
that our coaches are getting out of this experience. That's what matters to me. So directly to you, uh, you know, convention experience the last few years you were mentioning has just changed a little bit. Interacting with more coaches, uh, gaining more information. You just want to open that up a little bit? I'd love to. Um, we were just talking about that. What The convention has changed for me dramatically in the last five years. Um, you know, you always come to the convention and you're excited and you're ready for the information. But I just think the networking component of it is completely different. That's the exciting part for me. And, and Sheets, I, there's a couple of reasons why I, I, I share that with so many other coaches. But sure. I think what you guys are doing year-round yes. with the Barnstormers, yep. with the Ace, and with yep. the youth clinics, we're getting an opportunity to, to meet more of our coaches regionally. Yeah. And we were a part of that, you know, in both of those programs. No doubt. Yeah. But so there's a bigger following that comes in. We had our New Mexico group of coaches that we met up in the bar. and we, sure. and we but, uh, but I think one of the bigger feels and differences that, that I'm experiencing uh, with the culture of the ABCA right now is an openness and a willingness to share. I think that part's always been there, but uh, you don't see the group over there and the group over there and right. the group over here. I feel like you've got a family component happening of where those three groups are just all in the middle, and we've just got one big, huge circle talking mm -hmm. about baseball and recruiting mm -hmm. and leadership and, and you name it. That's what's really fun for me uh, because – this is not about just seeing my old friends and my old coaching buddies. No doubt. This is about meeting new people and becoming a better coach when I leave here. So the experience has been phenomenal. Mm. Uh, my whole staff is here. That's four years in a row. Yeah. Uh, that will never change. And uh, it just it's a thrill to come here. It's, it's a lot more than just a kickoff to our season. I love it. I yeah. love it. Um, you know, it's a, a, an interesting thing. You actually got mentioned yesterday. We were talking – uh, infield play with Billy Boyer, who's now an infield coach, minor league coach with the Minnesota Twins. And uh, I've referenced you obviously a lot about just when I came in as a young coach, and I'm going to spin this back to you. Mm. When I was at Kentucky, and I'm coming out of coaching NAI baseball for a couple of years and uh, then spending a year on staff with Coach Cohen, and then you're able to come on staff at Kentucky. And I'm, I'll never forget this, man, and, and I hope you remember it too, is we're talking base running. We go out to first base, and you say, so Sheets, you know, how, how would you take your lead? And it was a moment where I never – I went, I, 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 get, I, don't, I don't have a system. I don't, I don't know. You just get out here. And you go, no, it's, it's right, left, right, shovel, shovel, and you're right there. <laughs> and I, I went, no, wait a minute. But then it was more than that. Then it birthed into infield catch play routines, yeah. which we referenced again with Billy yesterday. Uh, it was obviously the offensive stuff, which we'll get to. But um, from the, the point I'm trying to make is, as a young coach, can you go back to some of those – early days uh, of breaking into coaching, probably sometimes at Riverside, even maybe the volunteer at Oregon State where you just went, man, I just don't have this thing figured out. Can you go to some of those maybe maybe those humble moments, humble beginnings? I remember a couple of those absolute identical moments that you just described is yeah. when I got my first paying job. I had just been the volunteer at Oregon State, so I'm with Pat Casey, yeah. Dan Spencer, Gary Henderson, an unbelievable staff. No doubt. Uh, I'm completely out over my skis, but I'm going to put my <laughs> head down, be loyal, and just go. Sure. Uh, honored for that opportunity. But then when I got my first paying opportunity with Rich Hill, yeah. a lot of those things that you had just described, I was fortunate enough uh, at 24-25 with Dennis Rogers I was so new and so green uh, <laughs> that he just kind of filled my head. And I think yeah. when I got a little bit older, when you start to think that maybe, you know, you're starting to get set in an idea and a philosophy. Sure. And then here comes Rich Hill uh, in 2001, 2002. And he did the exact same thing to me that you just described. Yeah. And I essentially just transferred a lot of the information so that I learned. You teed me up. That's I really did. <laughs> and uh, awesome. same thing, you know, right, left, right, yeah. shuffle, extend. Yeah. And we'll talk about other things with offense. But, <laughs> you know, all of those things, it's this angle, it's that angle. And then you hear 
Coach Mosiello talking about essentially the same thing today, but in his own way. Sure. Uh, and, and that's what's so exciting because that's what this thing is about. This is not about us sitting in a lab, and I don't mean analytics and science. I mean le legitimately sitting in a lab by yourself sure. and making up theory. We're going to take things from people that we trust, whether that's in baseball, on or off the field, because no if we trust them, we trust them. Yep. And with us in this coaching profession, we're going to want to take from people that are are truly successful. So uh, that's where it starts. And then I think, obviously, we always evolve into our own things that become important to us. No doubt. But uh, from Pat Casey to Rich Hill, those first couple years mm -hmm. with Gary Henderson uh, and Dan Spencer when here's a legitimate bunt defensive system that I've never seen in my <laughs> life, and here's a mass fungo program for practice. And you realize, boy, I got a lot to learn. Oh, Put your head down, boy. and it's, it's time to really get going. That's it. Yeah. I, I'll, yeah. Never, I'll never forget the mass fungo routine. Uh, and, and we uh, we took that routine and we, we put it into, at that time, Microsoft Publisher. And now we had the diagram. <laughs> sure. And uh, you went out recruiting one day and, and Gary said, all right, Sheets, you got the mass fungo, you got to teach it. And I, I do. <laughs> this is Greenies. This isn't mine. <laughs> this is Greenies. I need That's help right. here. But it, it was those moments that um, I think as a young coach, there's a lot of guys out here, and I relate it to this. They're listening to guys up on the stage, and certainly you being a, a main stage speaker a couple times and, mm -hmm. and presenting that information. I think there's young coaches that hear that information. They go, well, it doesn't necessarily apply to me. It's a little bit over top. How would you bring them back down to go, no, 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 that, that is right there for you? Yeah, I think the most important thing, and, you know, in Sheets Weather, we're fortunate enough to be with unbelievable coaches or be amongst an unbelievable staff like we had at Kentucky sure. with all of those personalities. and. Um, or I, I think sometimes it can be secondary for what I described in the bar last night with 30 people and people that might not be in your circle. You, yeah. There is always something you can learn. And I'd like to – there's an example here. Um, after leaving UCLA to go to Kentucky, um, I know that the University of Kentucky staff where Coach Cohen was the head mm -hmm. coach uh, and then Coach Henderson took over at yep. Kentucky when Coach Cohen had moved to Mississippi State. And I know that one of the rules that they had as a staff – was that each, and you might remember this, mm -hmm. at Kentucky being there, I was the new guy coming in, was yep. that uh, the coaches, you are going to be responsible for getting out three times a year and speaking on behalf of yourself and the program. It's awesome. And, and for me, when I, whenever I think a coach is in that regard, I think back to even being at Oregon State and going out and speaking at the Oregon uh, High School Coaches Convention in 2001, and I'm yeah. 30 years old. I don't think there's any greater opportunity to – really fine-tune your craft and to find out what's really important for you no doubt. than to get out and present and share, just yeah. like we tell our players. No doubt. You know, it's important that you tell it to us one-on-one, -on -one, but declare it to your team, and then the accountability will go up. And I think yeah. for us as coaches, um, with regards to that thought, yeah. boy, I think create a philosophy that you feel is yours, whether it is truly yours or not is not the point. Yeah. Create a system that's important to you and then get out and share it and present it. Mm. And you've got an opportunity to really fine-tune it. And then you've got an opportunity to transfer it to your players and be a great communicator. And I no think doubt. that's essentially what it's about. Okay. Uh, you know, I had Link Jared on a little mm. bit earlier. And, and obviously you two are, are, are combined in the fact that you guys came on the podcast together. And yeah. Just an absolute just dynamite conversation and, and certainly one that, that challenged me. Even though I thought I knew where you were going to go with a lot of stuff, I didn't. You challenged me. Hearing Link's information was outstanding. He made a point a minute ago, and again, track his career, what he built at Auburn, mm -hmm. and then obviously to, to move on and, and take the head coaching job at UNCG, what you've done coming from UCLA to Kentucky, building prolific offenses, Golden Spikes Award winners, uh, then having the opportunity to come and, and, again, build more prolific offenses at New Mexico State. But more than that was just the fact that he talked about coming from being the true hitting coach 
and having a plan, a philosophy, in essence, a system, now you're the head coach. Now you've got that, but you've also got a system for the program. Mm-hmm. How was your transition coming from, again, purely focused at, at the infield play and hitting to now, uh, oh, yeah, all of it kind of falls on me? How, how was that transition? Awesome question, and because it's so relative, it's so relevant, and I remember these things so vividly. Yeah, you know, and and I share this a lot with our assistants and our staff. But you know, as Link probably shared the exact same thing. When you're an assistant coach, you are responsible for a specific area, and you're really fine-tuned and focused on that area. Owned, no doubt. And you've got time to spend specifically on just that area. Sure. Um, so as a hitting coach, what was really important to me, you were there. Uh, but the relationships within the individual player. No doubt. You know, I had 16 hitters, maybe 17. I didn't have 35 players. No doubt. Half of them being pitchers. Um, so that in itself really changes where you go to answer your question from being an assistant to head coach. Where it goes is to you've really got to figure out, find out, and, and really decipher what is truly important to you, mm-hmm. which was so awesome in watching and listening to Link. Yeah. The primary focus that I took out of that was offensive approach. Yes. That's how a head coach talks, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and I think when you're an assistant coach, clearly offensive approach is, is critical. But there is also a huge component of swing mechanics, drills, all those things that are important. That's an interesting, yeah. Yeah and, yeah, and I really think the transition, when you go to assistant to head, when it becomes program-wide, it goes into you've got great assistant coaches. Mm. If you didn't, you wouldn't hire them. You want to give them exactly what you were lucky enough to have when you yep. had your opportunity. Yep. So they'll handle the swing. The head coach is always going to be invested in relationships, mm-hmm. but they'll handle the nuts and bolts. So you've really got to do a good job as the leader to understand or communicate. Guys, these are the three, four, five bullet points. This is what our offense needs to look like. That yep. Coach Mo talked about that today. Yep. What's your vision? What it's, what's it supposed to look like? I think it's so critical that you communicate that to your assistants. So mm. where does it change? Uh, it gets more broad, but then it also gets more defined in terms of how it's supposed to look. No doubt. And what specific bullet points you want to spend your time on getting really good at. And I, mm. I think that's the biggest separator and change that you evolve into you no know, doubt. When, when your position changes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not that the investment changes, but no. it just seems like the, uh, just seems like, like you said, that the finer details become mm-hmm. more fine uh, as you get that head coaching title. Because, again, I think at the end of the day, man, it always, everything falls on your pillow. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's a interesting concept, especially for young coaches. And I think it, you, know, you spent a lot of years as an assistant coach. And so I know you're, you're thinking through it and you're developing your plan. And, you know, as long as when I get my opportunity, man, I know what I'm going to do. How has any of that shifted? Again, and we're going to lead this into New Mexico State, but your your vision and plan for how you thought you would run things as a head coach, has that shifted now that you've been in it for a few years when you look back? 100%. Um, and, and when I say that, the vision, the goal, and, and having a clear identity of or a, a vision of how we wanted it to look, how I wanted it to look yeah. as the head coach and what I wanted – the team that I was putting on the field and what I wanted our coaching staff culture to feel like and look like. Right. That part hasn't changed. Yeah. The how part of how to get that done has completely changed. Tell me about it. Coach Henderson used to say this all the time. And, you know, half the time as an assistant, you're not sure if you're, if you're getting jabbed <laughs> at or not. Sure. But he always used to Especially say with Gary. it. With Coach, yeah, with Gary. And, and he, Gary would say, Brian, when you get your opportunity, you'll understand. And until you get it, you don't understand. And he would even say, Brian, I don't mean that condescending. I don't mean that to take a shot. I'm just telling you it's completely different when you get in that chair. No doubt. 
and you can't prepare for it. Hmm. The amount of responsibility that you have, and, and part of that sheets is what we just talked about with the responsibility. You're so fine-tuned. You're so fine-focused on just your hitters, just your pitchers, no just your infielders, just your catchers. And then you want to become an expert in that field. If you're an infield coach, you're going to start nuts and bolts from how we're going to stretch, how we're going to pre-throw, how our catch play program is going to work, what's the fundamental of everything from yep. forehand, backhand, slow roller, and on and on with your team defense. But then the role expands. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think as a head coach or when you're an assistant that you truly can prepare for that because there's things that you just don't consider. Right. You're not considering when I'm working along Coach Bo at Kentucky – you're not considering as a head coach, I'm going to look at Coach Bohannon in a much different light because now he is working for me in, in that, with that regard because right. we're just boys as assistants. And, and right. when I say that, I just think that's the biggest piece that, that becomes different. Your plate becomes so much, more, hmm. so much more large, and it goes from a group of a specific position group that yeah. you have to an entire team. And then there's that one piece that, for me, uh, I got really lucky on. And I was really fortunate that it worked out. Uh, my gut said hire good people. Yeah. Uh, I talked to enough head coaches that said just do that and you'll be fine. Uh, put loyalty and trust over skill, uh, which I, if I could offer any advice, would, would still hold true today. Yeah. But even in that same point, my focal point in my first year or two was on the team, the players. Mm -hmm. My focal point was not enough on the assistant coaches. That is the fiber. That's the core. No doubt. That is the family. That's where it starts, and that wow. it's your coaching staff. And it's the culture that you have with your four, five, six, or if you're really fortunate, more coaches than that. That's where it starts. Yeah. We were fortunate enough in New Mexico State uh, that I had great people. I had loyal coaches and really hard workers and really talented coaches. Sure. Uh, Joel Mangum's in professional baseball now. Mike yeah. Brown is at Hawaii. He was in Omaha last year with Mississippi State. Yeah. Ben Jackson's a pitching coach now at uh, Division II institution, and now our current coaching staff is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so that's the biggest change. And when you go into it, um, the, the, the focal point becomes bigger, but you've got to start with your coaches. You've got to have your vision truly in place. And then the next piece that you've got to do, which you weren't doing as an assistant, right. is be truly locked in and fine-tuned on how do I want it to look, and then communicate it to your assistants. And I'll give you one last example yeah. to answer the question. Two-strike hitting. We've heard this a couple of times. Every, every hitting coach has talked about it. <laughs> Two-strike hitting. In the role of the hitting coach or the assistant coach, yeah. there's going to be we're going to move up three inches. We're going to yeah. come up on the bat two inches. We're going to get the foot down early. We're going to spread out. There's going to be a physical adjustment. There's going to be an approach adjustment. Yeah. And then there's going to be skill work involved in that. When you're the head coach, you're going to tell your hitting coach, I don't want our guys striking <laughs> out. <laughs> Now We're you need go to, have to work. A good two approach. <laughs> now go to work. Yeah, and I and I think that's where it goes, and I think that's yeah. where it has to go, and I think that's what you want as an assistant coach. So that would be the biggest change for me, is just in terms of when your roles change. <laughs> but I, I think that's so, so important. Is either way though, there's got to be a vision in place. You know yeah. what you want, and I think that would be an example for me of, you know, where you go or where you were and where you go, even though your goals are exactly the same. Yeah, that makes just sense. Just the attack points different. Yeah. Offensively speaking, do you feel like I asked Link this? Because I'm, and again, again, I pair you guys up. Similar in a lot of regards. That's what you and I talked mm. about after the call. Like we're similar in a lot of regards. We have different language and different approaches. But yeah, the question I hit him with BG was that that does he feel like he's got a a true now system like a blueprint for where he goes? Do you feel like you're at that place? And then more than that, do you feel like you're constantly challenging it? 
Well, I do feel like we have a system in place. Okay. I, and I think that the, the thing that I'm constantly challenging, we just talked about this last night. Yeah. This was a great conversation. Team, yeah. I was with Jay Johnson and we were talking about this. Um, but each and every year, my goal is to, of those five bullet points, can in 2019, those five become four? Mm. And then in 20, can those four become three? Really hard to do. Yeah. Extremely hard to do. In 2012, we're gonna, we have six checkpoints to the slot mechanically. We're going to be down. We've got elbow tuck. We've got the barrel angle. We've got the barrel <laughs> position. We've got the elbow here. We've got this angle. No doubt. We've got six checkpoints to the slot. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. You've got to know that mm -hmm. to be able to communicate it and teach it effectively. Uh, but point, point being now, it becomes, to use that example, mechanically, what's important to you? Get athletic. Get 50-50. Be on time. Be balanced. Rotate to contact. And now can you take that for an example? Yeah. And can you turn that into two and a half keys so your kids can go, all I need to do is this and this? And I got it. It might not be sexy, but they're going to remember it, and they're going to be able to go out and repetitively do it, and that's where guys can get better. So um, that's where I challenge it. Yeah, in terms awesome. of In terms of having a system, it uh, was really awesome to listen to Link. I picked something up, which I knew I would. Yeah. Um, but we have very similar terminology with offensive approach, even though the wording is different. Mm -hmm there's a categorization of a pitcher. And I think you have to do that, yeah. which is, we had different terms, but that, that's the stuff that's exciting to me. For me, that's where the system starts. And then within that system, we as coaches all have offensive approaches. We all have identifying factors of how we want our kids to swing. Sure. We have a philosophy on, you know, are we going to hit home runs? Are we going to play small ball? Are we going to balance? And then mm -hmm. seats, the biggest thing is, and what I've heard so much and we've all heard here in this convention is, is identify it after evaluating it. But then the, the masters, the Tim Corbins, when yeah. you're listening to him, it's not about anything other than take that and then go apply it on the field. But right. be prepared to get it onto the field and knowing what you want, set up the drills, set up the practice time, set up mm. the repetition. Yeah. And then it's going to come back and you're going to get what you want. But you can't do that if you don't have your system in place first. And, and wow. then from there you go to work with your practice. Good night. Okay. Um, I told you I'd tee you up for this, and I think it's, uh, you know, we were talking a couple nights ago, we ran into each other, it's just, I'll tell you, uh, maybe I don't tell you as much as I should, it's just how proud I am to see what you've done there as an alum to go back to Mexico State and just take it to unprecedented heights. And I, and I want to tee you up for this because it's the, uh, maybe for a coach listening to this, it's like, hey, take me inside of how you went about building the program, what's it built upon, and obviously just lay out the success that you guys have had so far. Well, uh, thanks for asking me that, and thanks for saying that. Sure. Um, what an unbelievable ride it's been. Um, I, there are so many stories to tell with regards to this, but, um, you know, in 2014, in, in March, I see that New Mexico State, my alma mater, uh, is getting a small stadium put in with a 1,000 chair back seats. They're going to put a sunshade in. Uh, mind you, this is a single... Uh, aluminum bleacher behind a chain link fence, you yeah. know, 15, 20 years ago. So when I see that as somebody who played there, always thought there would be an opportunity to win there. It's a desert community with great weather, uh, with great community support, with tremendous players along Interstate 10. A lot of things that could go well as long as there was some resource and some funding put in. So sure. when I see that in March, I start to wonder, you know, just, hey, maybe someday yep. if um, – and that's where it started. Uh, six months later, I've got the job after interviewing. I went into the interview room. 
uh, with three simple concepts that are still important to us to this day, which is in, on top of my computer in my office, which is a reminder every day. So when you get out and you say you're going to do something, you get out and you do it. Yeah. And if you do that, you can build trust and you can build faith within your community. But for us, Sheets, the vision going into it uh, is that we were going to do three things. We were going to get out. Number one, first and foremost, we are going to inspire the community. Mm. Uh, number You've done that. We, we have. Uh, number two, we are going to recruit and develop. You've done that. <laughs> and, uh, and then number three, we are going to teach at a high level. No doubt. And, uh, and then being able to, you know, going into year five now, four years later, to be able to say that we've had three ranked classes from collegiate baseball and we've had 12 kids in three years go to pro ball mm -hmm. to win 109 games the last three years after winning 11 uh, in our first year and then to go to 34 wins and have the biggest win improvement in college baseball year two. No doubt. Um, the AstroTurf comes in. Mm -hmm. uh, we needed a facility change. We got that. Those things happen and then, you know, you start to get, you start chasing it and tasting it and Next thing you know, you're you're hugging your wife and crying, and you've won 40 games in a WAC tournament championship, going to yep. a regional. Yeah. Um, the most exciting part of that is is going into it, where there were so many people that said we couldn't do it. That's what drives me. Um, Guarantee it. You know, I'm a runt. I'm a midget. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm the guy who comes out of nowhere and might take a little longer to get there, but I'll keep our head down and. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, as an alum, yeah. um, I really uh, took on the responsibility because I truly wanted to, yeah. to go into a program. And it, because I had played there, I knew the community. I knew that if we got to the community and we got some funding, we could really create a buzz. You know, we've set three attendance records there yeah. in the last four years. Um, things are going great. We've won the Community Service Award three times. Mm. And like I tell our kids, you know, if anything you want in life, you go out and earn it. Yeah. So if we want fans to show up, well, let's not complain about why our fans don't show up. Let's not talk about our weather. Let's get out and inspire the community. Yep. And they'll inspire us back. You have to believe that in sure. some capacity, which I do. So, um, but for us, it was really about, and still continues to be, all the reasons why we couldn't do it. Right. And we don't look at things that way. We looked at what we could do. Hmm. So now uh, going into year five with a contract extension and the community kicked in for that, um, and potentially a lot more facility enhancements coming. Yeah, I'm a proud alum, and uh, and we're really proud. And I could the coaching staff, um, that hug that we had in that dugout, uh, knowing that it was 11 wins, and it boy, the, there was no light, and in fact yeah. you were just in a dark tunnel. Yeah. Um, and then the first recruiting class, those kids who believed and bought in, is 34 wins, and then it was 35, and. And it was 40 in the tournament championship. No and, but I would like to share this because I've heard it a couple times in the convention. But, you know, that's, that's when you really get the opportunity to thank someone. And mm. um, Becky, as yeah. you know, yeah. um, we hugged on the field for about 90 seconds in dead silence. And it was a big thank you mm. for everything, for making the, the move from Kentucky, yeah. which was a, at time people considered maybe a risk. I considered it an adventure and an opportunity no doubt. and an investment. Yeah. And, uh, and we're doing things now and it's really fun. And, uh, we love our kids. I love my coaching staff Yeah. and, um, Hey man, it's exciting. It's awesome. Yeah. Year five. It's awesome. No doubt. Yeah. Well, I gotta tell you, man, you got an Aggie fan living in Greensboro. You know that I'm always, um, you know, support you and what you're doing. And it's neat to see, you talk about inspiring the community. The community's gotten behind you they have. in more than one way. Um, I do want to just tee you up for this. I think it's something really neat. I know you do a lot of unique things within your program. I think the biggest might be 
when your kids show up on campus, take the selfies with the teachers. Oh, yeah. Open that up. Well, you know, and again, Sheets, it's, it's, it's part of that concept for us that if you want something in life, go out and earn it. Sure. Um, if you want people to show up and support you, if we want more financial support, if we want more people in the stands, how are we going to do that? Well, we're not going to go out and beg. We're going to earn that opportunity. Yeah. So for us, inspire the community as focal point number one. <clears throat> Coach Green, you said in your press conference you were going to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, as soon as you say that, it is your responsibility to defend what you said. That's what I think. And I yeah. think that's how you create integrity and character and trust. And I think if you can build trust within a group of people and a group of coaches and a community, I think you got something pretty, pretty awesome potentially mm -hmm. to go to. So we have what's called culture training at New Mexico State. It lasts for two weeks. Awesome. Uh, <clears throat> we don't get on the field for two weeks. Our first two weeks consist of doing everything that's going to allow us the best opportunity to at least begin to establish some culture within our program. That culture being who we're going to be, what our, our, our identity is going to be. So sure. that starts with uh, meet the teacher. Um, so awesome. Our kids are required to, uh, on the first three days of school, yeah. they're required to send me, and they, it has to come to me so I can see it. And we've gotten some doozy sheets. I mean, there have been some real <laughs> <I'm sure>. winners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the kids send me two, and I force them, make them, and teach them the, how important it is to create a relationship with your professor. Absolutely. What an awesome opportunity. No-brainer. You get to go up, and you get to say, hello, sir, I'm representing New Mexico State Baseball as one of the baseball players. Would like to introduce you to myself. Immediately, you have just put yourself in a position for success because that teacher knows you, and more importantly, you know that. Yeah. You're probably going to find yourself closer to the front row, and That's you're going right. to find yourself locking in a little more. So uh, the kids send out uh, two pictures with their professors. Mm. They send it to me, and then I just social media it out. And I, and I just I show every professor and our kids that's going out. It's called Meet the Professor Campaign, and yep. that's what it is every year. That's where it starts. Uh, from there, we'll find a mountain to go hike. Uh, we'll go over the core values of the team for us, our Aggie acronym of Aggie Up Passion. Yep. We'll talk about that. Uh, the kids will introduce themselves to each other. We'll have one community service project, and that can vary from, you name it, building a ramp. Uh, that can be bringing in a special needs group. Usually do that later in the fall, but okay. that can happen within the first two weeks. And then at that point, after we've done that, then we get on the field. Yeah. you got enough time for baseball. Uh, you know, being cool is a really big thing. No doubt. And it's, I think it's really important to protect the image and the coolness of the kids. And mm. I think before they get on the field, Get them together, get them to know each other, and get them to at least start thinking about a family and understand that there is a teammate there. It's not just entirely yeah. about you. Yeah. Then we'll go out on the field, and it's, it's, it's worked really well for us. So awesome. Gosh. Keep doing what you're doing, man. You know we're following along. Yeah, thanks uh, for everything. No doubt, man. Keep crushing this convention, man. I see you be bopping around. You're mixing it up with guys. Mixing it up. I, lo I just love, again, when we got recording, was just the fact that conversations are happening. You're meeting new people. That just, again, situates what this brotherhood means, and, and, and it sounds like you're killing it on the, on the floor. Well, it's, uh, the learning is exciting. It's a drug, you know, and, no doubt. and it really is. It's, it's, you can feel it. My energy is, and Sheets, I haven't slept much, and no, I think most of the both. coaches would agree here. We're not sleeping, <laughs> uh, but our energy is still off the charts, yeah. uh, you know, because you, you feel like you're making an investment in yourself. You feel like your program is getting better. That's how sure. I feel. Sure. Uh, this convention is, like I was telling you, um, this convention is that last spot where you check your lineup one more time, <laughs> the numbers, no the positions, and you're about ready to go out and turn that thing into the umpire. Yep. But it's become a lot more than that in terms of the people that you're meeting and talking to. And I just get better every year because 
uh, I just feel like the the flow of the convention and the the camaraderie of the coaches. Right. There's a real openness to just stick your hand out, and there's a real openness to just give it right back. No doubt. And uh, and because of that, I, I think that uh, that's why the game is at an all time high in terms of people getting better. No doubt. Uh, and I just appreciate the opportunity that you're giving us, and uh, and what the ABC is doing, and the convention is becoming epic event so it's awesome so and, we'll uh, see you in nashville i probably are going to be in nashville <laughs> i may yeah. I, I might be there too yeah um, <laughs> no awesome man well obviously good luck this year as you guys and thank the you. aggies rolling this year uh, we appreciate you jumping on with the screening yeah man thank you so appreciate it brother awesome thank you